9-11 was an inside job. There's two definite clear lines here. It happened or it didn't. Adolf Hitler didn't die in 1945. The death and replacement of Paul McCartney. Very, very likely that it was organised by the CIA. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the In Brother Words podcast. Uh, my name's Tommy, this is my brother Robbie. If you're brand new, this is the first time you've ever come across us, please subscribe to the channel because uh, there's lots of videos for you to catch up on. Uh, thank you for the support on the most recent episodes. Seems everyone's mental for crisps. <laughs> um, but uh, something a little bit more serious today. Uh, so when we've been putting out the suggestions to our subscribers about what they want us to talk about, um, this one's come up a lot, and it's conspiracy theories. Um, so what we've done is um, we've ditched the mugs look. We've gone all serious. Um, Robbie's got a cider because yeah. he feels like he needs it. To Old moot brand deal. Yeah. Coming. Uh, I've got a Starbucks just to <laughs> steady the nerves. So what, what we're going to do is we're going to go for each one. And firstly, we're going to do the official story. So the actual mainstream narrative of what happened. And then we're going to go through the conspiracy theory, why that theory exists, some of the potential, you know, discrepancies in the stories, that sort of thing. And then at the end, we're going to do a verdict where we're going to give it a rating out of 10. Zero being we believe the official story 100%. 10 being we believe the conspiracy theory 100%. Uh, I've even got my glasses on, have you noticed? Like, because I've gone for the old, like, studious approach. The last <laughs> week of my life has been taken over by yeah. studying these things. So I'm deep, I'm deep in, I'm in the hole. Mm -hmm. So first one is Adolf Hitler didn't die in 1945. Okay. All right, okay. Mm -hmm. So... I think we're all familiar with Adolf Hitler, aren't we? I don't think I need to go into who that was. So obviously mm -hmm. leader of Nazi Germany through the 30s and then into, the, into World War II as well. So the official story of his death, then, let's get into that. So 1945, early 1945, um, Germany is starting to lose the war at that point and pretty much going downhill for them. So in January of 1945, Hitler and his inner circle, which is... Um, like his mistress, eventually his wife, which I'll get onto, Eva Braun, and a few other people, they go into what's called the Führer bunker, which is basically like a big fortified bunker in Berlin. And he lives in there essentially for the for the rest of his life, supposedly. So he goes into like a lockdown situation, if you like, for a few months, which we're all familiar with. Mm. And doing, uh, doing Zoom quizzes, <laughs> exactly stuff like that. Yeah. So then, fast forward a couple of months, April nineteen forty five. Russia take over Poland, so win that back from Germany. So the Russian army are advancing towards Berlin from the east, and the British army and the Americans are advancing from the west. Mm -hmm. So the world and the war is actually, like, metaphorically and actually closing in on him, really, at this point. Mm -hmm. And over the weeks and days of April 1945, things just get a lot closer. By the day that people are moving in, miles closer to Berlin to the point of the day that he actually supposedly died um, they say that Russia were like 200 metres away from the bunker like it was that close to him yeah. um, he was also starting to lose um, his order and his, his control so there's two major things that happened in that month um, 
a guy called Goering, who was like the head of the army, basically, Hitler's right-hand man. Um, he rings Hitler up in the bunker and says, now you're essentially toast. Does that mean I'm in charge? Can I take over? So Hitler's like, well, that's basically a coup. So he gets him completely outed, um, loses all his jobs and everything. And then a guy called Heinrich Himmler, who was really high as well, he tried to surrender on Germany's behalf without Hitler's knowledge. And uh, Hitler had him arrested and, and done for treason, stuff like that. So like, he, was losing, he was losing it, basically, at that point. Mm-hmm. So April 29th, big day. I think it was only a week or so after his birthday as well. He marries Eva Brown, who to this point, nobody knew that that was his wife other than his inner circle. Yeah. Because actually she was like his mistress. And I didn't know this until I found out that uh, he was 56 and she was 33 when they got married. Great age. <laughs> so I think he met her. She was 17. Mm-hmm. So he would have been in his like 40. So make of that what you will. Um, so they got married in the bunker and then put plans in place to supposedly do a joint suicide right? mm-hmm. the next day. So 30th of April, this is the suicide. So this is the official story of how he died. She eats a cyanide pill mm-hmm. and he shoots himself is the story. It's questionable. Some people say he also did a cyanide pill in his mouth when he shot himself. Mm-hmm. And some, pe- some people say not. So that's another part of the conspiracy is people don't really know how he died. And then apparently their bodies were taken out of the bunker to the back garden, burnt with petrol, and then buried in a shallow grave. Right? Yeah. That's the official story of how they died. Stalin, who's in charge of Russia, he's thinking, he's smelling like bullshit straight away. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm not having it, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he wants remains, he wants like the body, which is fair, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So 4th of May, the Russians get in there, dig up what they believe to be Hitler's remains and take it back to Russia. Um, and this is a key part of the story. There was a piece of a jawbone with some teeth on it that were in these remains. And that was confirmed as being Hitler's by his personal dentist. And conspiracy theorists claimed that maybe he was in on it. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like, it, it, he's not necessarily an independent person to, to make that claim. Mm. So that's the story. That's the official story. So that as of that point, officially Hitler's dead, right? Yeah. Now here's the theory. Theory is he didn't die. And actually he fled the bunker at any point really between January and April because nobody would have known mm-hmm. and went somewhere else, right? So the Soviets continued after the war, after the 45, continued to say that he wasn't dead and actually carried on looking for him. And they said that he wasn't dead and he was being um, protected by his allies. So at that point, obviously Nazis, really far right, um, fascist sort of movement, there were other countries of the world that had been taken over like in that way, um, mainly in South America. So Stalin believed that he had like I can't say that word, sympathizers in South America that would have taken him in mm-hmm. and defend him. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, just a quick side note as well on the suicide thing. The reason why they wanted to do that and then have their bodies burnt mm-hmm. was that um, Mussolini, who was the leader of Italy, who led that in the same way as Hitler, he died like in the months or weeks before. He got um, overthrown and then they executed him. And rather than sort of give him a, you know, a proper funeral or whatever, 
they hung his body upside down off of a um, petrol station in Milan to basically put him on public display. Mm. And that was what he was trying to avoid. Do you know what I mean? He was trying yeah. to avoid being some sort of focal point of like ridicule or whatever in his death. So that was mm-hmm. that was why he did that. Um, so yeah, the only physical proof that he died is the dentist's testimony that could potentially have been biased. Um, and then the other evidence that he did die is the eyewitness accounts of the people who were in the bunker at the time, who to say are biased and pro-Hitler would be a massive understatement because the people at the, in there in the, on the days that he died were, were like Joseph Goebbels, actually. I'll tell you this story. Joseph Goebbels, who was like Hitler's best mate, essentially. He, and he was the one who Hitler wrote in his will that he became the chancellor after him and he was the chancellor for a day. <laughs> he mm-hmm. was like his best mate. He moved his wife and kids, six kids, into the bunker with Hitler and Hitler's last will and testament was, I'm going to die, and then you lot fuck off because this is going to go downhill. And he refused to leave and said, we're all going to die here with you. And him, his wife, and his six kids all committed suicide with cyanide pills. Jesus. Yeah. So, so it's, quite, it's quite a small circle, really. Very small. To convince... Obviously, we'll get through the other theories, but a lot of them involve, like, you would have to silence a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Whereas that, I imagine, wouldn't yeah. take a lot, would it? Just Very say, doable. Right, all of you, I'll give you all this cash or yeah. something. So it's not it's not sure. an over, it's not a overstatement to say the people in his circle are like some of the most loyal people you can possibly imagine to mm-hmm. him. Like, you know, Goebbels essentially killed his wife and six kids and himself in hitting his Hitler's honor. Do you know what I mean mm. to not leave him? Sort of yeah. thing. That's that's the level we're talking about here. Um, so school fragments. So that those things that they took, the Soviets took and took away and, and put them in Russia and said they were officially registered as these are Hitler's remains, right, in Russia. School fragments from those remains were tested in 2009 and it was proven to belong to a woman under the age of 40. Not Hitler. Definitely not Hitler. Mm-hmm. The school fragments aren't anyway. Yeah. Could potentially have been Eva Brown. Remember, she was 33 at the time. So mm-hmm. that, that's potentially she could have been. But the fact that she died doesn't mean Hitler didn't. You know, you talk... You, you like, you could say, would he have left her there and let her die and then fucked off himself? But yeah, it Hitler, seems like so. a really nice reason yeah, no, to yeah. die. So. <laughs> um, so then the big question is, where did he go? And this is where it gets tasty, it's right? Skeggy, I reckon. <laughs> so um, there are loads of, like, sightings in the subsequent years. But there's a few in, in the initial first years about Denmark. And in the days leading up to his death, something to do with the Himmler thing, one of the... There was like an airline pilot who... Sorry, uh, like an RAF equivalent for Germany, who left the bunker to go and take the message to do the thing with Himmler. And he managed to escape and get away on a plane. That's a fact. So, and, they, and he went to Denmark, apparently, after... So there's there's a theory that he may have been on that plane, and there's no proof that he wasn't. But there's also no proof that he was. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a few sightings there, but the most likely route out is something called the Rat Lines. Have you heard about these? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, these are escape routes for Nazis and and fascists from Europe to South America. Is and it Venezuela. Then? There was two. There was oh, a lot of them ended up in Argentina, okay. but they're everywhere: Colombia, yeah. Brazil. I'll get to some of the most famous ones in a minute, but this, the rat lines, they're escape routes via Spain or Italy, and they were ran by the Catholic Church, and some say, and this is conspiracy, um, 
that the Vatican was involved as well in the management of that and moving these high-ranking Nazis out of Europe and getting them to relative safety in South America. So this is where you think, oh, yeah, but none of the big ones would have done it. There are tens of thousands of... Na- you're talking tens of thousands of Nazis who left the, uh, Europe. It's not, And it's not the low-ranking ones either. So we've got two really good examples. So there's a guy called Adolf Eichmann. Again, do all the research on this. Have a little look at this yourself. This is like... It's really hard for me to like when I read this and to read about it and stuff because like, I did this as GCSE like history and obviously you know I've, the, I've been to Auschwitz twice like mm-hmm. I was an I was a ambassador for the Midlands for Holocaust Educational Trust like I'm interested in this stuff and the thought of some of these people being able to live not just a normal life quite a nice life in South America mm-hmm. is really quite sickening to be honest so Adolf Eichmann. For those who don't know who he is, he was essentially the guy who organized the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. That was his job. Hitler said, like, I want to kill this amount of people, you know, a thousand an hour if we can get to it, which eventually did at Birkenau. You need to see how we can do it. So he was like a logistics expert for killing millions of people, essentially. Mm. Um, so this is like, if you're making a list, the top, top 10 worst Nazis, if you like, He's up there. This guy's up there. Mm-hmm. And he managed to live like a long time after the war um, in South America. And he was eventually captured in 1960. So he took him 15 years later um, by the Mossad, which is the Israeli version of the CIA. It's like the Israeli intelligence forces. Yeah. And we'll come back to them in a bit on another conspiracy. Okay. Um, but the guy who was the head of the Mossad is a guy called um, Issa Harel. And he was in charge of that operation to go and get Eichmann and then brought to justice and finally executed in the Nuremberg trials, which are the trials that happened in the years after the war Mm -hmm. to bring the Nazis to justice for what they did. But this this second one is like really upsetting. So have you heard of Joseph Mengele? I've heard the name, but I can't remember. Yeah, this is like, obviously, you know, Hitler, awful, Eichmann, they're all like horrendous people. But from my knowledge of like the Holocaust and stuff and everything I've read about it. Is he the sick doctor? This is potentially the most evil person I've ever read about in my whole life. Like, mm-hmm. you're talking about a, just a completely sick human being. So they called him the Angel of Death. And this guy, like you say, he was the doctor at Auschwitz and various different um, concentration camps as well. And he was, like, using the Jews in the concentration camps to do, like, experiments on them. So he was obsessed with twins. And the reason why that was is because of the whole idea of the Third Reich and the Aryan um, supremacy and that sort of thing. His plan was to try and work out how you could genetically modify people to like, produce twins in a higher probability than in the normal natural way. So, because obviously if, if the Aryans win if you like if germany win then all of a sudden they want to like multiply the, the population quicker than usual mm-hmm. and uh, actually there's some areas that he ended up working and living in south america where they have high rates of twins really so there is a, some suggestion he was actually getting somewhere on that but what he used to do with his um just in like in the concentration camps with the, with the twins some some things as sick as like um getting two twins next to each other and, and killing one and seeing what he did to the other. Or chopping one's leg off and attaching it to the other one. 
and all this sort of stuff. Like just the most despicable person. I won't go too much into detail, but just Google it, Joseph Mengele, like awful human being. And he was never found. And it's sickening that he actually died on a beach in Brazil when he was 67. He had a beautiful Brazilian wife and he'd lived this amazing life, basically, mm. after that, which is just ter- terrible, isn't it? How did they know it was him then? Like, who found him and said, oh, here he is, when he died? Like, yeah, that's that, the thing. Why because did it take have, until that time? Because they, they have, well, they reckon that um, Mengele had something like 50 aliases in his life. So he just changed his name constantly. Oh, Do you okay. know what I mean? Like, they're just constantly on the move, lived in probably 10 different countries in South America. They're also being protected, remember, by the people who run the countries. Because mm-hmm. they're not in the massive minority in some of these areas. And what they would do is they would, like, make colonies. So there's a place called Colonia Dignidad. Again, this is not a conspiracy. This is true. Google it. Yeah, which literally means dignity colony in German. And it's a Bavarian village in Chile. And it's still there now. You can go on a holiday. And uh, that, in the time between the end of the war and sort of 90s, that was like a living village of what the Nazi world would look, would look like. You're talking about, and he lived there. You're talking about like torture, rape, child abuse, like literally everything. Mm. And, they're, and they're all in lederhosen, they all speak German. And like, so in Argentina, for example, there's three and a half million Argentine Germans today. It's about 8% of the population is German. Really? <laughs> so you can't get to that point in what, 80 years? unless you're talking about tens of thousands of people going over there at the end of the, like, the war. And some of these people, like in, in Colonia Dignidad, so th- there's a, I'll, I've wrote it at the end for people to go and have a look on if they're interested. There's a, um, there's a TV show called Hunting Hitler, which is based on this theory and how all the Nazis managed to go to South America. And some of these people, like, they don't see the Nazis as bad at all, if anything, the opposite. Like, you go into their houses and it's full of swastikas all over the thing. They've got their granddad's like war medals mm. on the. I mean, they've got his full uniform, and, and some of them they won't even let you touch the medals. They have to. They wear white gloves and show you. Yeah. And these are like SS medals from being Nazis. Do you know what I mean? So this is like deep thing. So the, one of the biggest like things that sort of made this a big conspiracy is a guy called Philip Citrin. And he was a former SS soldier himself. And he told the CIA in 1954 that he'd met Hitler in a place called Tunja, Tunja in Colombia and showed them a photo of him with Hitler now. And I can put it on there if I've got it. And uh, this guy is looks to be the right age. I mean, it's a very grainy photo, to be fair. But he said, this guy, like, he's called Adolf something as well, his name is. I'll put it on the thing. And uh, he fully claims to be the real him. And he, and he lives in, a, in an area similar to Colonial Dignidad. And he's, like, hero-worshipped by the people who live there. And this guy is, for this guy's opinion, it's it. Mm. But, I mean, that's questionable, isn't it? Um, so that's probably the most... And that's, that's an official CIA document, by the way, that was declassified. Um, that's a real thing that happened. But... Yeah, so, that, so that's one example of where they could go. Another thing I want to talk about in this area, and it leads quite well onto the next conspiracy as well, and I'm not suggesting this Hitler was involved in this at all because he was nowhere near clever enough, but have you heard of Operation Paperclip? Yes, yeah. about the taking the, the highest-ranked Nazis yeah. and working for NASA. Yeah, so towards the end of the war, basically <laughs> it became like a, a race between America and 
Russia to get all the really clever people out of out of the Nazi Germany because like mm-hmm. obviously all their you know the war crimes and all that is terrible and what they did was horrendous but no one nobody could deny that they were like decades arguably centuries ahead of the other countries in terms of like development like rocket technology and stuff mm-hmm. like that um so operation paperclip was the american version of this again this is not a conspiracy this is a fact go and google it yourself um so this is getting highly skilled nazi scientists and uh, engineers and bringing them over to america to work on things like the space race and stuff like that so official number is around 1600 who went to america but could potentially been more and um they had their like records cleaned, their war crimes ignored, and they were basically brought in. And some of them made heroes. So somebody we might touch on on yours is Werner von Braun, who was the chief architect of the what's it called, the Saturn, whatever it's called. Basically, the thing that launched the Apollo missions. Mm-hmm. He built that. So he is like a American hero. He's essentially they wouldn't have gone to the moon without him. But he was also a war criminal. And a massive Nazi, do you know what I mean? There's a guy called Kurt Debus, and again, I'll put his photo in. Um, he was the first director of the Launch Center, which bec- became the Kennedy Space Center. There's a photo of him in the middle of JFK and LBJ, like, watching a, a space launch. And this guy is, like, a fully died-in-the-wall proper Nazi. And uh, you'll notice, actually, he has a little scar on his face. And uh, that's a dueling scar, so a lot of the high-ranking Nazis have them. Because in things like the Hitler Youth or their like training schemes and stuff in the army, what they do is it's called academic fencing. And it's basically fencing like it is today, but with a load sharper blade and you don't wear a face mask. And so to like cut someone's face is like not the way to win, but that's like good. So loads of them, loads and I'll put loads of photos in, loads of the high ranking Nazis all have scars here. Mm-hmm. And this guy sat there in the middle of JFK and LBJ with this big like Nazi scar on his face. And then there's a, there's a really famous one called Hubertus Stronghold. And this is the guy who invented the spacesuits for the, like the Apollo missions and stuff. And obviously, spacesuits are really difficult technology to develop because of like pressure or that sort of stuff. And uh, he was like given loads of awards for all his like work on, in the space race. And then when he died, as a lot of these things happen when they die, they actually then have an investigation into what they were before. And he uh, posthumously got stripped of all his awards because it turned out that all of his research and things he'd done for the US was based on what he'd actually done for the Nazis while he worked for them. And he was testing all of his theories on um, the, like the Jews and stuff. And um, there was one thing where he tested children, epile- epileptic children between 11 and 13, putting them into a, a vacuum tank and seeing what happens when they drop all the pressure and all this sort of stuff. And this <laughs> is a fact. Mm. so he like lost all his awards and stuff as well so that's another example of where the nazis went um after the war but i'm not suggesting hitler was certainly not of the level of intelligence that they would um, no. certainly not uh, wipe all his war crimes away for that do you know what i mean mm. but um, like i say some of these guys particularly um Werner von braun he's like a american icon um because of what he did with the space race and stuff but yeah so just to wrap this one up then so like i say official story died in the bunker with his wife Burnt, burnt his body is what it is. Conspiracy is that that didn't happen and actually he fled to wherever, potentially, probably more, most likely South America. Um, so the, the verdict then, I think it's certainly possible is what I would say. 
You said that the, the skull fragments didn't belong to him. What about the rest y- of the Yeah, skeleton? so this is what I was going to say. So it, the jawbone with the teeth, that had some teeth in it, was retested in 2018. And they can only, te- they can only basically compare it to what they recognise as being Hitler's um, scans, like dental scans. Dental records. Yeah. And it was confirmed that they think it was him. Okay. That is his. And um, it also showed that he had really bad dental hygiene, which mm-hmm. is something that they know from his like war diaries and stuff, and just from you know thousands of people doing loads of research on his life and stuff. That that was like a big thing about him that people knew. He didn't have very good dental hygiene. Um, so this, is my opinion, is that it's possible. I think like it, you can't possibly say that it's, it can't be true just because there's so little like physical evidence that he definitely died. Do you know what I mean like mm-hmm. the Mussolini thing is? Not particularly great being hung upside down in the middle of the square, but at least people could say, yeah, it's definitely it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But I think that evidence of the jawbone being retested and then thinking it was him, and the fact that, like I said about those key individuals that did go, like Eichmann and stuff, you know, the Mossad, yeah, it took him 15 years to get him, but they got him. Yeah, and I think they'd get him, don't you? I think any any suggestion that if anything was anywhere near credible that it, that he was alive the Mossad would have got him 100%, like, surely. Mm. Or, well, actually, there's a suggestion that he was quite ill anyway towards the end, and maybe he wouldn't have survived anyway that, that long. Do you that, know what I mean? That could be one, that maybe he didn't die the true way, but he died, you know, elsewhere, but not too long yeah, after yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I, anyway. I don't think he'd have survived much longer anyway with his poor health, but, but I think that that jawbone retesting in 2018 and the fact that if there was any real suggestion he was alive, I think they would have got him and and tried him or killed him, you know, as they did with Eichmann, um, then I would say that I don't believe the conspiracy. So I've given it a three out of ten because I don't think it's a zero because it, it's, it's possible, definitely. Yeah, I'm happy to go on a three. But I, I've gone for a three. A bit less than halfway because I think it is more weighted towards the, the true story. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just a little few notes at the end. Yeah, so Hunting Hitler is a TV show which is based on this, which people would want to go and watch that. One of the guys who's on that show is... He's called Tim Kennedy, and he did a Joe Rogan podcast, um, number 1117 with Tim Kennedy. So he talks a lot about this. And uh, also, when we were talking about people, Nazi people going to America and living like a full life, there's a, there's a Netflix documentary called The Devil Next Door. And uh, that's a guy, about a guy called John Demanyuk, who lived in America, who was sent to Israel and tried for war crimes for being actually a guy called Ivan Demanyuk, who was nicknamed Ivan the Terrible and killed tenth, tens of thousands of people in a concentration camp as a as a German soldier. So mm-hmm. if you're interested in this sort of stuff, that's a really good documentary to watch as well. But uh, yeah, that's it on that one. So we'll go for a three, three out, out of ten. Three out of ten. Yeah. Lovely. Right, so the second one we're going to go into, a massively popular one, probably the, the, the one that people think of when you say the term conspiracy theories. Yeah, I think that one or 9-11, I think. Mm, is uh, the moon landings. Um, went into this in quite a bit of detail yeah um i think to keep it like straight and narrow obviously we'll go into some details but let's just get the gist of it first so official story yeah official story official black and white story is it on july the 20th 1969 neil armstrong buzz aldrin michael collins went to the moon Mm -hmm. yeah one small step for man 
on Giant Leap for Mankind. Mm-hmm. Bit of trivia, as you know, that was actually yes, wrong, wasn't it? it? So yeah, yeah. You're, you're like, right, when you get there, mate, we need you to say one, what is it? One, one small step, step for, for a man. Yeah, yeah. One giant leap for mankind. Yeah. Because that makes sense, doesn't it? Because when you use man without the eye in front of it, then that actually sort of means mankind it's as well. It's the same isn't thing, it? isn't yeah, it? Yeah, So, yeah, fluffed so it. So he messed his lines, fluffed yeah. his lines. Got all that way and fluffed it. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's kind of the the well-known mainstream thing, isn't it? And I think anyone who, you know, like older members of our family or whatever, um, say, you know, they can remember it and they watched yeah. it on telly. And it was a massive thing, wasn't it? At that I think it's not just a massive thing. That's the pinnacle of the entire human race, in my opinion. That's like the... The, the biggest achievement It's the thing time. ever, isn't it? Yeah. Which is why this is such a big conspiracy, because if that's not true, then what is? Do you know what I mean? Like that, because that is literally, like I say, the pinnacle of our being, isn't it? Yeah. Leaving this earth and going to somewhere else. You Obviously, know I mean? it can't be 100% true, because Wallace and Gromit went and it was made of cheese. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and when he kicks the ball. <laughs> no, it wasn't made of cheese, was it? He gets yeah, there it and he, no, it wasn't. He gets there and he puts it on some cracker and it's horrible. Oh, is it? Is it like sand or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah and he kicks the ball up and it doesn't come down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic, that, isn't it? Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, so it was all, um, obviously a lot of it, the, the background stuff is on the space race, mm-hmm. um, which we could probably do a two or three hour documentary yeah. on that, couldn't we? Um, but it was between, obviously, the Soviet Union and America. Um, and from what I can gather, it's a lot of it came off the kind of, it was like a roll-on from World War Two, wasn't it? In terms of like the the bitterness between the two, yeah, the rivalry the, between. This the is the Cold War, isn't it? This literally yeah. the Cold War. So after the, uh, which we'll get onto when I talk about JFK as well. Mm-hmm. So after the, the, the dropping the nukes on Japan sort of thing, it just became a Cold War for the next what 40, 50 years mm-hmm. really, between America and Russia. And like you say, it was just the, the space race was an extension of that, wasn't it? Really? Yeah. But like I say, what I mentioned earlier is it. It was almost Nazis against Nazis rather than America against Russia. Like some of the scientists behind it all. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's fair to say that in the, in the early phases of the, the space race, the Soviet Union were kind of punching massively above their weight and surprising a lot of people. Sputnik 1. Sputnik 1. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of, you know, I was reading a lot of things, like official NASA stuff, and they, they were all genuinely like, how the fuck are they doing this? Kind really? Of, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Because they were left pretty devastated after the war and stuff. Yeah. So they're thinking, how on earth are they almost showing them up a little bit? If, if Trump was in charge at that point, it'd be getting recounts on the... Yeah, yeah, big time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, obviously, like you said, they had the Sputnik 1, and then Sputnik 2, less than a month after. So that's 1957, October 1957. So it's pretty early. early isn't it, that? And yeah. that, this is just kind of, you know, sending stuff into orbit, that kind of thing. Nothing major at that stage. Um, the uh, 1958, the US then had their first kind of little bit. Also, oh, Sputnik 2, by the way, they sent a little dog. Like space. it. Yeah, like yeah. the dog, which is really cute. Yeah, right? well, it's not because they knew it was going to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Sacrifice, sacrifice the dog. Mm. Um, the US had their big one in uh, 1958, which is Explorer One. Um, but then that that was literally just a, a flash in the pan. The Soviet Union then continued to kind of smash it out of the park with Luna One. So that was the first probe ever to reach the moon. That was okay. a massive thing. That again, NASA wanted to be the first one. Uh, the US wanted yeah, yeah. to be the first ones to do that. Um, Luna Two as well, which was the first spacecraft to. Um, be sent to Venus or towards Venus. Oh, really? Again, that was something that uh, NASA really wanted to be the first to do. Um, and that's when kind of 
um, JFK was making the big pledges, like, right, we're going to get someone up there. Yeah, we're going to yeah. get. Them. I think when when new presidents come in and they want to make a bit of a statement, um, and I think by that point they were starting to get pissed off by constantly being shown up. Yeah. By the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But would that been like the sixty election or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He probably ran on that basis. I yeah. Um, but then off the back of that, nineteen sixty one. Uh, Soviet Union sends Yuri Gagarin, wasn't it, into space? Okay. Um, and again, he was the first person in space. In space, yeah. So not the moon. I mean, yeah. but in space. And again, what a massive achievement! That's mad, isn't it? Um, in the space race, kind of. That's so brave of him, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean like because you can do everything in theory, can't you? Even when you send up all these probes or whatever, or you can do all that, but still whether or not a human can exist out there is still all theory, isn't it? Yeah. So when he leaves the atmosphere, he doesn't really know if he's going to blow up or not, does he? Like, no, exactly. <laughs> do you know what I mean? The first American in um, in space was Alan Shepard. Um, Never heard of his name. Really? No. And NASA, th- that just shows, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, being the first is massive. Yeah, yeah. Y- Yuri Gagarin. <laughs> g- 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, you know his name, yeah, don't yeah. you? Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. From school or whatever. But anyway, this Alan Shepard guy, he he got into space less than a month after so like it was already all plans in yeah, place yeah. and everything um just did them at the last basically um yeah so then J- um, jfk did that speech didn't he uh we choose to go to the moon in this decade uh not because they're easy but because they're hard that was his like famous speech okay. you know i mean like we're gonna do it it's gonna be tough but we're gonna get there kind of thing so now just kind of move in a bit more onto like the apollo missions mm-hmm. um not all planning to go to the moon, the Apollo missions. Most of them successful. They had a few absolute mares, didn't they? I think it was Apollo 7, was it? Where the... Yeah. <laughs> don't know. Don't know. You have a look. Um, where it died. Yeah. And three astronauts died. Wow. Um, and, yeah, fast forward that on to what we're going to speak about. The main bulk of this now is the Apollo 11 mission, where mm-hmm. there's a lot of the, the mystery around mm-hmm. it. Okay? So... How do you want to do this? Because there's two definite clear lines here. It happened or it didn't, isn't there? And there's there's not there's not many theories around why it didn't happen. It's more here are the factors from the true mainstream story that make me think it didn't. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. So the main thing is um, that America had a lot to kind of claw back. Do you know what I mean? They'd the yeah. had their fair share of embarrassment. And this was a, a massive thing um, that they needed to kind of level the playing field almost. Yeah, so like I say, so, that for, so for the conspiracy then, that if the conspiracy is that it didn't happen, let's say, so that the real story is it did. So the conspiracy is that it was faked, essentially, isn't it? Yeah. So the first thing first is why would they do that? So I suppose that's the answer is to win, if you like, the space race, isn't it, Jeremy? Yeah, yeah. Um... I saw, I, I found this as well whilst researching. Over, uh, just under 30% of Americans think it didn't happen. And really? just over 40% of the UK think it didn't wow. happen. Which is massive, isn't it? Oh, yeah. That's, a, that's yeah. a hell of a lot of people. Um, So I'm just going to go into a few of the, the reasons why people doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. Or like the main things that I'm sure people watching this will think in the back of their heads. Because I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So there's the big one about the flag. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that it's waving and people say, well, there's no wind on the moon. No atmosphere, so it shouldn't. Yeah. yeah. Now, the 
the kind of the debunk to that is that um and the, again there's pictures of this the flag is actually on a pole a horizontal pole as mm-hmm. well as a vertical so you know it goes up and then across and it's hanging yeah, yeah. from that so it's not actually flapping they couldn't extend the horizontal pole all the way out there was a fault with it that so looks crinkled yeah so it's kind of like it's all out apart from the very last bit which oh, droops okay. yeah which makes it look like it's flapping yeah. or waved. What it should have actually been is a perfect rigid square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's where that comes from. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. If you want to interject with anything or like an argument. No, no, that's it, fine. Yeah. 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 Um, another one is the Van Allen radiation belt. Yeah. Um, do you want to explain anything about that? Yeah. Especially radiation around the earth. Yeah, it? I think the, the theory there, there from the conspiracy point of view is that, and this is probably the reason why Russia hadn't done it, and the reason why it hasn't been done since, or well, the reason why they think it didn't, wasn't done here, is that it's actually not possible for a human to travel through the Van Allen radiation belt, and then mm-hmm. also certainly not to come back through it as well. Yeah. Because the levels of radiation would be too much that you would, what, die, or it would cause you long-term issues, or all yeah. this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so... What a lot of the specialists say, NASA still to this day, um, there's a great podcast with, um, remind me his name now, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, yeah. He's been on it a few times, hasn't he? And Joe Rogan, you mean? Yeah, yeah, Joe Rogan, yeah. We always just say episode because we watch it so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. Um, it's it's simply not really true. Like the amount of time, for the, for the time period you'd be passing through it, it'd be no more dangerous than anything else yeah it's just like having 10 x-rays or whatever yeah something like that um he said also bear in mind you know this is apollo 11 there's been 10 missions leading up to this point they've had plenty of time to learn the effects of that they timed apollo 11 at the like the the least um yeah where the effects would be the least yeah where is the the least uh strong radiation um so yeah that's not really a it's not going to frazzle anyone that passes through it um, another one is wank, uh, wonk, wanky, <laughs> wonky shadows in the pictures. Okay. So if you um, Google the moon landings conspiracy, you'll see a load of different like pictures of rocks and the astronauts themselves and the spacecraft and how sometimes there's more than one shadow or how the shadows seem to be going at different angles in different photos. Um, but what that the way they explain that, um, there's something called um, Earthshine. So it's you've not just got the one source of light coming from the sun. You've also got the sun reflecting off the oceans on the earth, which also brings back... Okay. So, I mean, so you've got basically Two a very strong source of light yeah. from the sun and then a, another light source coming from the earth as well. And that can cause various different okay. shadows or shadows that you might... that don't quite look like how we learn shadows yeah. in school or whatever. Okay. Um... Another one, the the fact that there's no stars in the photograph, um, that's just down to like exposures on cameras. Um, it's the same. Yeah, take a photo now and yeah, that going, that's the, literally the point yeah, yeah. that um, this NASA debunker guy said. If you took a picture with an iPhone on the moon, it still wouldn't pick the stars up because it doesn't have the exposure time for it. But then in the sixties, yeah. definitely didn't. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. If you, you try it now, if you took like a selfie or whatever outside with the like up to the sky, it doesn't. You can't see every single little star in the sky. It's just not mm-hmm. how it. You, you need like a proper high quality, high exposure camera to do that. So it's a bit of a non-argument. That one. Yeah, there is argument that some people say that 
it would almost be harder to fake the footage than actually go anyway. Yeah, <laughs> so again, I mean? that Neil deGrasse Tyson guy yeah, says yeah. It, it'd be more expensive, 100%, and more time-consuming to fake this whole thing than to, to actually go. What do you think to that? Or? I do agree, because... Yeah. Have you seen films in the 60s? Well, the cameras are massive and stuff. No, but like, it's shy. They're shy. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, and where there's no argument is that Apollo 11 did launch. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's gone somewhere. Do you know what I mean? It's not just... Yeah, that's a good point. Where did the conspiracy say that it went? Did they say it landed somewhere and came back? Yeah, they say it was unmanned and it just went up and just went. Do you know what I mean? Like it just um, <laughs> yeah. didn't ever... Doesn't sound right, does it? No. But I'll get to that in a minute with the verdict because okay. I think there's a big thing that makes this not uh, viable, really. Mm-hmm. Another argument is like, why haven't we been there since? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I did have it here somewhere. They went... Um, the last time we've been was 72, I believe. To the moon? Yeah. See, I didn't even realise, actually, until like quite recently that we'd, we'd ever gone back. Yeah, I thought yeah, they yeah. just went once, that was it. No. Um, and the simple answer to it is there's no real reason to for a start yeah do you know I mean because it's been done they've got all of the rocks and stuff that they brought back all that material as well just to add into the the overall thing all that all them rocks materials whatever they've got have all been verified by you know international things from all over the world as, yeah, as not being from this earth sort of thing so yeah, it must be yeah as space. being yeah. what they believe lunar material yeah yeah um so yeah there's a there's no real need to financially as well is a big thing so like um trump kind of said he was going to invest one point whatever billion into it um biden's now come out and done the same like it's it's something that um needs massive investment from whoever the president is at that time and it's also, um, this is what um, NASA say as well, it, it is unlikely that a president's going to invest that much money from his budget or whatever he's got into something that lasts more than the average term. Like as it, it, It's yeah. going to take more than eight years, potentially. You know, like two so terms yeah. of a president. Are you going to invest so much time and passion and energy into something that you might not even reap the benefits yeah. of? It's sad that that's the case. Yeah, but... so I think there was one example where... Um, Bush invested like a lot into it and then as soon as Obama came in like they swapped all the contracts and everything and said oh we're not doing that anymore we're doing this one and they'd spent like years and do you know what I mean oh, so really? much money on that there is politics involved in it yeah, it's course, a political yeah. thing isn't it and that's why they think now that like companies like SpaceX and, and whatever they will get to the moon before NASA ever did yeah. now or Mars Elon, Elon Musk wants to get to Mars you know? yeah yeah like independent companies will do it now before NASA probably do because yeah. it's too political I understand the argument of like there's no real reason to go back because if you if they ever need to do any sort of science up there, they just send an unmanned thing. It's always easy to send a robot in it than it is. Yeah. So the re- the reckon that the the next advancement, uh, the next thing to do there is to build a kind of like almost like a fuel station kind of thing, so that other international uh, other space missions would stop there to refuel or can like it's like a base oh, that you can so park good, and imagine that almost make like a space station, but. You know, almost like a like petrol a, station, like a basically. building on the moon. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean, yeah. like that you can all just chill in whilst you. Well, that sounds really blase, but that's the next step. Like, yeah, because it's it... not something like Mars where you can actually um, think about colonizing it in some way. Because it's you know Mars has some sort of an atmosphere and you know there's water there and all that sort of stuff where you could actually live there. Moon, you couldn't live on the moon, but you could you could have it as a 
like you say, a petrol station or mm-hmm. you know, stick, stick a mac- Mackey's in a Costco and that on it. 100% they're making a Mackey's on there. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah. <laughs> and like three Greggs within. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's the that's the kind of reason why no one's been since. Um, to kind of wrap this all up, I, I went into researching this probably 90% sure that it was dodgy mm-hmm. and that I believe the conspiracy coming out of it. Absolutely not. Like I'm almost certain that it was legit. Yeah, yeah. And one of the main reasons being is that the Soviet union themselves at the time confirmed it oh, okay. and they've never denied it. Fair. Now, if, if there's one person or group of people that have vested interest in bullshit in this theory, it, that this story is them. Isn't yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, you know, because it was a big knock to them as well that America were the first to do that, to actually yeah. land on the moon. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if there was any... So they tracked it with their own technology for the whole mission, the landing and back. Um, And like I say, yeah, I've never denied it. Fair. I've always thought as well, like, if it wasn't true, imagine being Neil Armstrong or Buzz Aldrin and that, like, how would they live with it if it wasn't true? Yeah, and that's another thing. That So people say, because there's footage, we'll put, we'll put it up here because it's funny, of one of them punching someone punching that guy yeah Yeah, because they're saying like (laughs) swear on the bible then that you've done it and they don't like they shouldn't have to bring their religion in like swearing on the bible is quite a big thing and Mm. if they they know they've done it like uh, that would get annoying after yeah that's what i've always thought is like i don't really know whether they did it or not and like you say based on what you've said probably they did and then i always thought if they have done it how awful has their last 30 or 40 years of their life been because like you say 30 percent of the country thinks that they're a complete like liars like to mm. an extreme level like neil armstrong is what top five most iconic people of all time just because of what he's achieved mm. but he might that might be a lie do you know what i mean like it might not be true so surely it has to be true for for them to give it to one person who is just a normal person i mean he's an astronaut and stuff but he's not like a government person or CIA operative or whatever, he's just a guy and he was an, he was an astronaut. Mm-hmm. For them to put an entire like history of the human race on on him has to have been true, surely. Yeah. Because of what, how would he live with that if not? You know he couldn't, I mean? could you? No, unless he's an actor, obviously, or something. Um, there's, um, you can Google this, there's uh, something called the Selene Luna Probe, which was from uh, the Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency. That's their, like, NASA, basically. Mm-hmm. And this was done in the 2000s. They sent a probe up uh, to the moon. And they managed to, by um, looking at the surface of where a- Apollo 11 was and blah, blah, blah. There's still some of their equipment there as well, by the way, on the moon. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean, the Apollo 11 left there. They managed to find the exact site um, within 10 meters. And you can see that on their thing. Do you know what I mean, the exact the site. Not on their pictures. Yeah. No, but um, that was one of my notes because it was, um, when I was searching it, it says Chinese, Indian and J- um, Japanese missions have independently spotted site and equipment. Um, but it doesn't say anything about the actual flag. Yeah. Some would say like the flag wouldn't definitely be there um, after 50, 60 years or whatever. Um, Why not? I don't know. Like, is it 
is the flag made of a particular material that can just withstand anything? Yeah, surely it'd start to. I think it would be there unless it'd been hit off by some sort of flailing rock or whatever, which again is is potentially likely because there's no atmosphere and there's so, so much dust as well. Yeah, the reason why the moon looks like it does, by the way, it's covered in craters or whatever, is because it gets nailed by like asteroids and stuff, or it did back in the creation of the universe. It's mm. literally that's what the Earth would look like if we didn't have an atmosphere, <laughs> just like smash the shit basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, verdict. Um, there's there's tens, potentially hundreds of thousands of documents and stuff behind all of this that uh, that you have to complete to make the the Apollo Eleven possible. I mean, it's still in archives now. Yeah. To fake this, you'd have to fake every single document, and you'd have to basically shut up every member of NASA. Too many people involved. Too, way too many people involved. Um and. Yeah, like I said, the big thing that, that the Soviet Union have never denied it, and they kind of agree and say, you know, fair play, well done. Fair enough, yeah. So I'm going for um, a one. One, okay, that is low, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. What are you going for? Um, i say before this, I was, I didn't know that much about it, but I was probably like leaning towards it being like faked and stuff. I was leaning towards the footage being faked, but the actual thing being real. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's fine. But if we're going off just the, the moon landing did, happen, did they happen? Not? Oh, yeah, I think it probably did. So I'd say maybe like a two or a three. Okay, well, if you say three, I'd say one. We'll two. settle that on a two. So conspiracy theory number three, then. This one is um, JFK's assassination was an inside job. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. So official story, then. Let's quickly run through that. So JFK, for those who, who don't know, he was the 35th president of America. And he was assassinated on the 22nd of November, 1963, in Dallas, Texas. So he was there, I think, on some sort of presidential visit in preparation for the next election, which was the year after. Um, and they were on a what's called a presidential motorcade, which is basically like a row of cars driving around a designated area. And mm-hmm. people on either side celebrating flags or whatever. So he's in his presidential car, and in the car you've got the driver and a security person. So two security people at the front. Mm-hmm. Then you've got John Connolly, who is going to come up a lot in this story, who's the governor of Texas. So that's obviously where they were. You've got John Connolly and his wife, Nellie, in the front. And then JFK and his wife, Jackie Kennedy, in the back. So six people in the car all together. And as he's driving through somewhere called Dealey Plaza in um, Dallas... Which is like a really famous like park in the middle mm-hmm. of the area. Um, three shots were fired from the Texas School Book Depository. It's called, and uh, it's on the corner. You come around the corner like that. The book depository is on the corner of the street. Three shots were fired by a guy called Lee Harvey Oswald, who was a known communist and a former U.S. Marine. Um, one shot seriously injured both Kennedy and Connolly with the same bullet. Another one missed. And the third shot, basically not to get too graphic, pretty much blew JFK's head off, essentially, mm-hmm. and killed him. That was a fatal shot, the third one. The motorcade then rushed to the Parkland Memorial Hospital, and he was declared dead within 30 minutes of the incident. You could have pretty much done it there. Yeah, then. yeah. I say if you, I'll get to the point where I talk about the film that you can watch, but you can pretty much declare him dead on, at the moment. Um Lee Harvey Oswald was arrested around 70 minutes after the incident and charged with murdering JFK and murdering a police officer who had tried to arrest him earlier that day. So he was actually charged with two murders. 
two days later, whilst being transferred from city jail to county jail, he was killed himself live on TV by a local nightclub owner and gangster called Jack Ruby. Again, that's out there. You can go watch that as well yourselves. Mm -hmm. And then there was a 10-month investigation called the Warren Commission. (laughs) I call it investigation loosely, and we'll get to that. Called the Warren Commission, and that found that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone to kill JFK, and that Ruby acted alone to kill Lee Harvey Oswald. That's the official story. Now, I'll go through it, obviously, bit by bit, but I would say this is one where there's a lot of, like, holes in this story, definitely. Um, So the theory is that Lee Harvey Oswald acted on behalf of the CIA, who orchestrated the assassination, and he wasn't the only gunman, and there were more than three shots fired. And I've put two things here that sort of, like, bring the conclusion, if you like, up to this bit, so I can just give you a general idea. There was a U.S. House Select Committee on Assassinations formed in the 70s to look into this assassination and the assassination of Martin Luther King, which both have a lot of, like, holes as it was going to work out. And uh, that was the conclusion of that um, committee was that he was killed by a conspiracy. JFK was. And similar to what you just said about moon landings, 80% of the U.S. population believe he was killed by a conspiracy. What do you mean by by a conspiracy? By a plot more than... He wasn't a lone gunman. He mm-hmm. wasn't just a lone wolf who thought, I might go out and shoot the president today. There was more people involved, or it was actually organised and then covered up by the CIA, most likely, or mm-hmm. FBI, or the mob, or there's loads of different people, which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. But, like I say, 80% of the population in America don't believe it was a lone gunman, and don't believe Lee Harvey Oswald was the guy who, who killed him, basically. Mm-hmm. So... I think the place to start is why would they have killed him? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So you've got to think of a motive. If it wasn't the RV Oswald or it was him but he was working with people then why would they want him gone basically? So for those of you who don't know a lot about JFK he was like one of the youngest presidents ever. He was really young like really good looking um, very like progressive as well and like visionary leader like he had a lot of views that really a lot of the people in his party and in the wider like, American politics didn't really want him to be going down that way. It's very interesting to think what the world would be like now, particularly what America would be like, had he have not died. Um, but there's basically a few events in the years leading up to his death that sort of bring into light that he had a lot of enemies, really. Um, so what we were talking about the Cold War earlier, so he came into power in like 60 so in those early years of the 60s before he died in 63 the cold war tensions were like at an all-time high at that point um and there were like i say there was a number of events um so firstly 1961 we heard of the bay of pigs invasion so there was a lot of situation at this time with america and cuba right so cuba had been taken over by Fidel Castro and was Mm -hmm. being like run by communists and Cuba is like next to America obviously so like rather than it being cold war with Russia Cuba was now on its doorstep so there's it was closer to me closer to home Mm -hmm. so in 1961 the Bay of Pigs invasion this is a CIA operation where members of the US army members of the CIA um Cuban exiles so in america there was loads of people who were actually cuban but they'd been kicked out of cuba because they didn't support castro yeah 
So a combination of those three launched an invasion of Cuba in an area called the Bay of Pigs, mm -hmm. which is basically like an act of war, essentially, towards Cuba. And that was arranged by the CIA. And the head of the CIA was a guy called Alan Dulles, um, which we'll get to in a minute because that's, that's a big name in this story. Um, and Kennedy didn't like this, and he actually made them change the location of the invasion. It wouldn't have been the Bay of Pigs. It would have been something else without him. And after the first day's activities, on the second day, there was supposed to be US airstrikes, and he pulled the air support away. And that meant that they, the invasion was a failure and some people died, they all got arrested. It was a complete cock-up. So the, from the CIA's point of view, that was his fault. And it mm -hmm. was because he stopped it from happening, basically. Yeah. So that's like reason number one. 1962, you got the Cuban Missile Crisis. For those of you who don't know what that is, you've got Russian um, nuclear bombs, essentially, and American nuclear bombs. And the Cold War is prolonged period of time where neither of them fire them at each other but they've both got them and it's just like a you know a game of chicken really if you like mm -hmm. and the cuban missile crisis was where russian um nuclear weapons were moved to cuba and just sort of like stationed there as a sort of a threat do you know what i mean mm -hmm. a two a two-sided threat really one being to persuade america not to invade and get involved in cuba and the other one being we now don't have to fire these you know across the ocean or whatever we can just fire these from very very close to florida like cuba and florida is like really close together basically yeah so but during the cuban missile crisis and how that was ended was that kennedy just sort of like talked it out with the russian leader and it was agreed that america wouldn't invade cuba and also that they'd remove their nuclear missiles from turkey because they had some base in Turkey, which again is obviously closer to Russia than America is. Um, so, from the point of view of like the CIA and some of the guys in the in the army, military and stuff, he was too soft on communism. This, those two things already is like an example of why they thought he was being too soft on communism, and that what they wanted was a leader who'd say, "No, fuck you! Like we're coming for you now." I mean, they want a war, and people will say, "Well, why would they want war?" And this is another thing we'll get onto when we look at nine eleven is you have to think about something in America called the military-industrial complex. And when Eisenhower left as president of America, in his resignation speech, or whatever it's called, he said, beware of the military-industrial complex, because they're never going to want to not be at war, basically. And what it means is there's like a lot of businesses in America. The whole productivity of the whole country, really, is a lot higher during the war, because there's so many companies that are making so much money out of the war effort, mm -hmm. ma making weapons, etc. Do you know what I mean? Or like the oil industry and stuff. So the military industrial complex wanted some sort of battles and stuff. So they didn't want a leader who was, you know, just into sort of appeasement. <laughs> nice. and yeah, just a nice guy, literally yeah. like to that point, really. And then there's another big thing then in 1962. This is called Operation Northwoods. Mm -hmm. So have you heard of this before? No. This is a big thing because I think a lot of people haven't heard about this. And this is something that's going to come up again later when I talk about 9-11. Because this is a really, like, huge thing, I think. Because it's not a conspiracy, it's a fact. Because this was declassified in 1997. So this was an operation in 1962. Just explain to people what you mean, because you said that a few times. That well, it's it got declassified. Yeah. So up until 1997, this was a secret 
held secret by the CIA. Nobody knew this existed other than the people who were involved. If a, if a document is like declassified, it means it's like released to the public, mm-hmm. available to read online, that sort of stuff. Yeah. So this, if something's been, if something's a declassified CIA document, it means it's a fact. It's not a conspiracy. It's not all oh, this might happen. This, this is this was happening. This was a thing. Right? Yeah. So Operation Northwoods was. It was a CIA plan, and it had actually been signed off by every single level, including the Joint Chief of Staffs, which are the people who run the army. So this was happening. This was on. And Kennedy vetoed it. And in that plan, it was to stage terror attacks on American soil and frame Cuba for it to justify going to war with Cuba. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, again, so you can probably see why I'm going to bring it up in a minute about 9 <laughs> 11. But yeah. this is a fact, this is happening, right? And you can read it online and it goes down to the detail of what they were going to do. So, a couple of examples. I was talking about the Cuban exiles. One of the things was fill a boat with Cuban exiles coming from Cuba to America, normal, innocent civilians, and then blow it up with a torpedo and kill them all and say Cuba did it. Mm-hmm. Another one, again, this is happening, and again, it's relevant to 9 11. Get an air, get a full airplane on its way to Cuba. Get another plane, paint it to look exactly the same, same numbers and everything, and then they were going to fly it towards Cuba. Fly that other plane, which is a drone, next to it. Land that one and carry that one on, so that from the point of view of air traffic and stuff, it looks like the same plane. Mm-hmm. Fly it over Cuba and blow it up over Cuban airspace. Yeah, and say that they shot down the. An, air, an airliner basically mm-hmm. um there's loads of other ones as well um so like literally terror attacks on american soil and blame and blame them on cuba and that, and that was like i say this was happening that's a fact right and kennedy vetoed it and told him to not do it mm-hmm. which again from the cia's perspective like makes him even more of an enemy do you know what i mean yeah so but like i say operation northwoods is n-o-r-t-h-w-o-o-d-s so it's not northwoods it's like northwoods and uh, again, it's a fact. Go out and Google it and read mm-hmm. read the document as well. Um, and also, America were in the war with Vietnam at this point. Um, obviously, I know quite a bit about the Vietnam War because I went there to Vietnam and I've seen the destruction and stuff that it did. Mm-hmm. It did and it's just one of the worst wars ever, I can imagine, for actually being in it and fighting in it. And there's no chance of winning that. Like, It's like trying to fight a war against a shark in the ocean if you're a person. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You're fighting on their territory big time. Um and it's actually come out that in the months before he was assassinated, he'd signed the documentation for a full withdrawal from Vietnam. Um, and that just doesn't, that is just not like what they wanted to do. So remember when he died and in the years that followed that, instead of a full withdrawal from Vietnam, there was a full blown, everybody go in. It was almost the opposite approach, do you know what I mean? So it's, he was pretty much the exact opposite of what, all the heads of the CIA, the FBI, the military industrial complex, the chief, um, joint chief of staff, Lyndon Baines Johnson, who was his vice president, who we'll get to in a minute, he was the exact opposite of what they wanted in power. So there's enough people out there who wanted him dead, let's just put it that way. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So for the list of enemies, I've got communist leaders in Russia and Cuba, because although he was nice and, you know, it had a bit of a policy of appeasement or whatever he was still the leader of america and america's the enemy from their point of view so he's there's that as a basic enemy isn't there he's, mm-hmm. he's, that's a uh, an easy sort of way of saying they could have killed him yeah 
You've got the CIA because of the Bay of Pigs and the Operation Northwoods vetoing. And Alan Dulles, by the way, was fired after the Bay of Pigs. Um, interestingly enough, Alan Dulles wrote the Warren Commission, which is the official investigation into his death. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Out of all the people. Yeah, yeah. So he was part of writing the Warren Commission. So mm-hmm. starting to see where this is going now. Um, Cuban freedom fighters. So the people who who are on the America side, if you like, in the Bay of Pigs, they essentially got shafted by Kennedy not bringing the air support. So that's a real enemy, you could think, that they might want to get him back for that. Mm-hmm. And then LBJ, which is probably the biggest stretch of all of them, but not out of the realm of possibility. So this is the vice president of America at the time. Um, JFK's supposedly right-hand man, best friend, he called him little my, my little brother Jack, because they all called him Jack Kennedy, because it's like a thing, John, it's Jack short for John somehow. But it's not, is it? No. But, um, <laughs> so, like, in the public arena, they were like, Bezzy Maras, but no. And if there's anybody who... If there's anybody who got more out of that death than him, there isn't, basically. Because mm-hmm. remember, he came, he became president two hours later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah. he had a lot to gain out of doing it as well. Also, um, I believe in his early political career, before he got to that point, he was also involved in Texas. Okay. So he could have been. He could have had some enemies there. Y- anyway. yeah, no, no, no. Sorry, LBJ. I'm talking about. Oh, okay. So if we're talking about putting the plan into process and who needs to be there to remove the the normal security measures, he might have some pull in that way as well. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So why kill him? There. Yeah. So there's a lot going on, mm-hmm. and who might have done it? Um, Let's talk about the magic bullet because I think you'll enjoy this one. So, it sounds like something off Love Honey again. <laughs> it does, yeah. So, the big thing in the Warren Commission and with all this conspiracy stuff is something called the Zapruder film. So, unlike something like 9 11 or the moon landings, is the moon landings live on TV? Yeah. Supposedly. Yeah. Yeah. This wasn't live on TV, right? So, all of it is sort of a hearsay or who was there, who wasn't. But this guy, Abraham Zapruder, was there on an area called the Grassy Knoll, which is like a little grassy hill. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. And uh, he recorded it. And it's like a really, for the time, it's like a really good quality like capture of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So that forms the basis of pretty much everything, including the Warren Commission. It's all based on that, right? And that actually gave them a problem. Then I'm talking about the people behind all this. Because... The sort of gun that Lee Harvey Oswald used to shoot the bullets from the depository, the time that requires to reload that, if you're going to go with the theory that there was three bullets, which they have to have done because there was three shells found next to his gun in the depository. Is the official story saying bang, bang, bang? Yeah. Right, okay. And the time required to do that three load and those three shots is a, is a window in the Zapruder film of frames, basically. And if that's what they're going with, the time required for those three shots and the three reloads to take place happens within a certain number of frames on the Zapruder film. And that means that because of the way that the shots go in, and I'll go into detail on this, it has to have been two shots, one that hurt him and one that killed him and one that missed. That has to have been the way to do it if there's only one gunman because of the time required to reload the gun, essentially. Because... 
the, either the second or the first shot must have missed for the third shot to be the one that killed him. Yeah, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Tell me if it doesn't because I need to explain it more if people don't get that. No, go on. Explain it. Okay, so basically the time between the one that hurt him so basically one of the shots went through his neck and then one of the shots blew his head off, right? Mm-hmm. So the time between the one that blew his head off and the one that went through his neck that's enough time to reload and shoot one bullet. That's it. Right? So that means there was one that hurt him and one that blew his head off. And they found three bullet casings next mm-hmm. to the gun. Which means he either hurt him, killed him, missed, or missed, yeah. hurt him, missed killed him. the first or the last. Yeah. yeah. Right? Okay. Which means that that one that hurt him is also the same bullet that hurt Connolly. Mm-hmm. Right? And this is where the whole magic bullet theory comes in. Because this one bullet, apparently, according to the Warren Commission, did the following. <laughs> right? So, it entered J- JFK's neck here, on the upper side of his back. Mm-hmm. Came through his neck here. Yeah. Nicked off his tie knot at the top there. <laughs> went through further into the car. Went through Connolly's back here. Came out there in his chest broke four ribs on the way through Mm -hmm. came out of his chest went through his arm broke his wrist in eight places came out of his wrist and landed in his leg okay right so that same bullet went through 15 layers of clothing seven layers of skin and around 15 inches of muscle tissue it hit a hit a tie knot removed four inches of ribs and shattered his bone on his wrist Mm-hmm. One bullet, right? Yeah. And then this bullet, they found it on Connolly's gurney, which is the tray they put you into the hospital in. And I'll put the photo up. It's like almost perfectly intact, basically. Mm-hmm. It's squished slightly if you look at it from a different angle. But all weapons experts, all ballistics experts will tell you if a bullet, even if a bullet just hits bone, it'll distort, look weird, like. The, like, even the bullet that hit his um, brain is like pretty much flat now. Like it's not even a real bullet mm-hmm. and stuff. So the idea that that bullet, the one that I'm going to show on the thing, did those, is the reason why it's called the magic bullet theory. Because based on a lot of like expert, that's just not possible. Basically, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? But it has to be that if you're going to pin it all on Leo Oswald, because then that means that there's one bullet left for him to blow his head off with. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. But let's say, for example, in theory, if that process was actually done by all three of Oswald's bullets, which is possible, and the ones that blew his head off was shot from somewhere, somewhere else. else. Yeah. Okay. So um, <laughs> I just think that's like crazy, isn't it? Mm. Um, there was over 100 ear witnesses, which is a phrase I'd not heard until I read that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and only around 50% believed that all the shots came from the same area. Right. Um, yeah, because you kind of know, don't you? Yeah. I think you'd know. Um, 33 people told the Warren Commission that they heard shots from the grassy knoll. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, witnesses in the, de- in the book depository, um, ear witnesses in the book depository said they only heard one or two shots from there, from that area. 
Okay. Um, and uh, like I said, the Zapruda film, that was first televised in 1970 to a small audience. And then it was on um, a show on ABC. It was like a Good Night America or something. It was called an ABC in 1975. So this is like 12 years later. And that is what like changed everybody in the, in the society's opinion on it as well. Obviously, this is also off the back of 72 was the Watergate scandal with Nixon. So the trust in the government is through the floor anyway at this point. Mm-hmm. And then literally people are watching it live saying this can't possibly be the real story. Like, it just can't. So is that covered that bullet thing enough? Because mm-hmm. I just want to go into it. So the next thing is Lee Harvey Oswald, right? So why is he the, the fall guy, if you like? So as soon as he got arrested, um, and in the two days he was allowed to live before they killed him off, he swore blind, like, I'm just a patsy, he kept saying, which is like a fall guy, like the one that they throw to the wolves, if you like, and everybody else just runs away screaming sort of thing and like loving it because they all got away with it. Mm-hmm. He, that was his thing, like, I'm a patsy, I'm a, I'm a patsy. Like, he kept saying that, right? So then you just think, could he have done it? So there's an argument that people say that he couldn't have made the shot shot was too hard well so he was saying that he'd been made to do it no he was actually saying he didn't do it at all right he was saying he like he didn't kill anybody and it's not his fault did they not find him there with the gun then no they found the gun in the book depository and it had his fingerprints on it and stuff okay but again that sort of thing can be fake but Mm -hmm. to be honest i wouldn't say i i think he probably did do it Mm -hmm. as in he fired those shots from that point yeah but I would say he probably wasn't the only person who was shooting him. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. And if he was involved in a wider plot. So why would they use him as the patsy, right? So he was a former US Marine. So when people say, oh, you couldn't make that shot, you couldn't, yes. But this guy is a former Marine. Like, I mean, there's yeah. levels, isn't there, to this sort of stuff. Um, and while he was in the army, he studied Marxism and Russian, which is like really rare, especially at the time, like Cold War America. Studying Russian, like while you're in the army, would be a little bit of a red flag, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. But he was allowed to do that. So there's a question over why was he allowed to do that? Mm-hmm. He then defected to the Soviet Union in 1959, right? So he gets an honorable discharge from the army and he's allowed to go and live in the Soviet Union, right? They don't let him in because they're like, well, you might be on some sort of dodgy mission. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. He then attempts suicide. And then they let him in, <laughs> right? So he then lives in he lives in um, Soviet Union for three years, and he moves back to America in 1962. So this is a guy who's gone from a U.S. Marine to defecting from the army to go and live in the Soviet Union, and he's allowed back into America. And not just that, he was given a repatriation loan, so they actually paid him to come back as well, allowed him back into the country. Okay. Um, he also made a trip to Mexico City in the months prior to the um, assassination. Uh, it's come out since that the CIA were aware of that and were actually tracking him on that journey. And they didn't tell that to the Warren Commission. That's proof that they, they didn't like, they mm-hmm. weren't responding in the appropriate way. Um, he claimed he was a patsy and a fall guy throughout. And um, there was no records of his police interviews. So as, as soon as he got arrested, he'd taken to the thing, police interview. That was like protocol as it is now at the time. Really important to like record all that sort of stuff. Everything was destroyed and burnt like straight away. So there's no records of anything of him being in the police or nothing, like in the police station or anything. No 24 hours in police custody. <laughs> no, nothing like that. Um, the FBI, the head of the FBI at the time, after he died, there's, a, there's a, a quote from the head of the FBI where he says, 
the most important thing now is to make sure that we make we make it look like he did it. What he what he meant by that was that they didn't actually have enough evidence that he did it. But because mm-hmm. he died, it was easy for them to just say, "Oh, that's a dream." So let's just like put it all on him, sort yeah. of thing. Um, and but he was obviously murdered before he could talk. And uh, if you you can Google it, it's on YouTube. Um, Jack Ruby just literally walks in front of him and shoots him. Yeah, are they not literally just leading him out of like the station or something? Yeah, so, or he's, so he's in city jail, which is just like where they where they take you when you get arrested for anything. And he's being taken to like yeah. the proper jail is going to go in for thinking. Yeah, so like when you're looking back on it now, when obviously we know what we know, it, it sort of looks settled really. Like, I was just about to say that. It's almost like a film. It's like, right, so we're literally going to hold this guy that we think's just committed the worst crime ever, well. like open for you. And then you're going to come round the front and shoot yeah. him. <laughs> he just goes like this. He goes like into his stomach and he fatally shoots him in the stomach. Yeah, like surely to God, like the security would be massive around it. Yeah, of course. Well, it was almost like, you know, um, on the Tour de France, for anyone who's seen it, the last bit, like everyone's, you can almost touch the cyclist because you're like yeah, that close really to close. Yeah, yeah, It's like that. Like the, oh, yeah, there's no, just go, hey, up, mate. There's oh, no, no security <laughs> between the crowd who were there to watch and the police. Like, no, that's what I'm saying. It just seems very yeah. weird to me. Yeah, well, it's probably set up really. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was probably just to cover the Lee Harvey Oswald stuff. Now there's one next thing I want to talk about is the autopsy, JFK mm-hmm. autopsy. So... The state law at the time was if you die like in that state, you have to have your autopsy carried out in that state as well. Um, so there's a guy called Earl Rose who was like the coroner at the time at the hospital, and it was his job to like do the autopsy on JFK. And um, the Secret Service came in, overpowered him, and took the body away from him so he couldn't do it. So that was actually broke state law to do that. They just rushed his body out of there and got it to the airport, put it on Air Force One at 2 p.m., and LBJ was sworn in as the next president of America at 2.38 that day, which is two hours and eight minutes after he was shot. Amazing That's photo. so quick. Amazing photo. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'll put it in. There's a photo of um, LBJ's inauguration, I suppose, if, if it is that. And um, Jackie Kennedy is one of the like witnesses there. And um, she's still got JFK's brains and blood all over her suit dress things she's got on. And... Um, and then he turns around after and he, there's a famous thing called the LBJ wink and he, he winks to this guy at the back of the plane and you can see it and stuff on the on the photo. Um, Jackie Kennedy, by the way, I don't actually know how she got over that because if you watch this as a Pruder film, um, when the first shot goes in, so it, he goes like this because obviously it's come straight through his like, windpipe and she's like, oh, you're right, you're right sort of thing and he's, she's like leaning forward a bit yeah, he like leans into yeah. her like that. She's like that close to his face as his head explodes. So she was like looking in his eyes and his head just blew up, basically. And like I say, go and watch it, but it's pretty graphic. And um, she then gets on the back of the car. Um, I was wondering what she's doing there. She was, um, some of his skull and his brain fell out onto the back of the car and she was trying to grab it to put it back in. So he gets shot and she gets up and gets onto the back of the, like the bonnet, if you like, but at the back, whatever it's called. And um, tries to get it. And there's also another Secret Service guy trying to climb on as well at the back. Yeah, and she got to the hospital and there's a quote of her at the hospital asking the doctor, she said, will this help? And she's giving him like pieces of his skull and his brain and stuff. And her dress that she's got on is covered in, in blood, basically. Yeah. I, I watched it because like it is, I don't mean this in the wrong way. It's interesting to watch, mm. isn't it? But 
after a few times, I was like, I couldn't watch it. It, was a, yeah. it is really like sad, actually. Yeah. Like if you put yourself in their oh, position. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, because he was literally, I find it really creepy that he was like just, you know, going through there and had no yeah. clue that within a split second, yeah. he was about to, his head literally opens like a biscuit tin, doesn't it? Just oh, like, yeah. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. It's really, really graphic because the, the, the third bullet, um, it basically cracked the top of his skull in half. And exploded on impact, so it basically blew his brain up and cracked his skull open at the same time. Mm. Um, so yeah, so he gets LBJ gets sworn in as the next president, and yeah, there's two hours later they're flying back to um, DC at this point, and then the autopsy was done in in Maryland, which is near Washington DC, and um, and then in 1972, when all this a lot of this stuff came out again about the um, conspiracy and stuff, they tried to do a review of the autopsy. And all the physical specimen, like all the physical specimens they had, all the physical evidence, the pieces of his brain, the skull, everything, it had all been destroyed and mm. they couldn't do the review because it, it was missing. No one knows why. <laughs> um, so, and let's just briefly touch on the Warren Commission then. So the Warren Commission is like the official report on the, um, on the JFK assassination, but it was full of like current and former government members. So if it was a conspiracy of you know, high-level government people or the CIA or whatever, there's plenty of chance for them to cover it up in the Warren Commission. And obviously one of the people who wrote it was Alan Dulles, who had a lot of reason to, to hate JFK with the whole Bay of Pigs and also having to resign from his position at the CIA. Um, and then I'm going to go through a few things that happened subsequently where people had tried to do investigations, right? So in 1966, this is only three years later, there's a guy called Jim Garrison who was the district attorney of New, New Orleans. And uh, he opened the investigation up as criminal investigation into who killed JFK. And he focused on a guy called David Ferry, who had known links to the CIA, the mob. And he used to be like a senior person above Lee Harvey Oswald in the, um, when he was in the Marines. So he knew, knew, knew him as well. And he flew to Texas in the like days after the attack and stuff. And, uh, he came out, Jim Garrison came out and said, right, we're having an investigation. We're aiming it at um, David Ferry, we're coming for him. And uh, four days later, David Ferry committed suicide. Yeah, he was um, epstein shall we say, mm. I think. 1975, there was another sort of investigation into JFK. So just to, for people's understanding, like, like I said, about loads of Americans think this is a conspiracy. And investigations into it have happened like so often. Like, it's a very common, like, conspiracy yeah. in America. So, 1975, there was a Rockefeller report, and that showed that there was no proof of a conspiracy. But the executive director of the Rockefeller report was the counsel on the Warren Commission. <laughs> so, you got the guy who's one of the guys who's written the Warren Commission, supposedly trying to investigate and call the Warren Commission shit, which is not going to happen, is it? No. So, then there was something called the Church Committee in 1975 which was a little bit more independent, and that was actually looking at the investigation done by the FBI and the CIA around the Warren Commission. And they were like completely scathing of that and said that it only looked at Lee Harvey Oswald. It just, everything just looked one way because they just pinned everything on, on him from the, from the second. Mm -hmm. And um, again, something we'll talk about in 9-11, name your, name your um, suspect early, you know, get your, get your villain in there as soon as you can. And then pin everything on him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what they did with Lee Harvey Oswald. And then um, in 1979, there was the special house committee, the thing I was talking about earlier, about assassinations. And um, they said that it was almost certainly a conspiracy. And they 
they agreed that there was a second shooter. And that second shooter theory was based on something called Dictabout technology. I've never heard of that before. But basically, one of the policemen on the day was wearing something that captured, like, audio. And um, the capturing of his audio, they, they captured, like, more than three shots, essentially. But then that was then shown in later investigations. People said that that could have been this policeman's radio was picking up another shot from somewhere else in the city. So through his Mm walkie-talkie, another policeman had heard a shot 10 miles away and then it came through on his dictabout thing. That was the theory there. (laughs) No, well, that was was why that was written off. So let's end this one here then. So the verdict, I think that it's possible and actually probably likely that Lee Harvey Oswald was there and did shoot him. But I don't believe for one second that he was the lone gunman. My question is then, so so what what are you saying? That he was linked with like a CIA operation yeah, to do it? I think it? it was a CIA... Well, I don't think. I'm certain it was. But a CIA operation. But, but didn't tell him that part of this is going to be that we're going to say it's you. Yeah, so there's going to be a guy on the grassy knoll. There's going to be a guy... Potentially, there was a, a theory of a guy being like in an underground, sort of under a manhole, if you like. You know, on you know it, the film it, mm-hmm. the guys like come under here with the balloon or whatever. Yeah. Imagine one of them where you can see through it, but the guy's got a gun or something mm-hmm. like that. There might be a shooter there, one on the knoll, one of wherever. Um, but you're the one. He's so, sorry, you don't know this, but you're the one who's going to get it all mm-hmm. because we're going to pin all the bullets on you. We're going to take a bullet that's going to be found from your gun, he's going to be the one that's found but on his gun. why journey. would he then, when he's arrested, not say, this is all a CIA thing and they've just pinned it on me? Well, he was he was calling himself a patsy, wasn't he, from the start? But he's with them, remember? He's working, like, with them. He's on the payroll and stuff, isn't he? Mm-hmm. So, like, at that point, you'd be like, oh, fucking hell. But also, you might be thinking, like, these are high-up government people who are involved. They might get you out of you a out tunnel something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you're not just going to instantly say... Oh, ooh, take away, oh, yes. no. it. like, it's like the whole Epstein thing when he got arrested why didn't he just say Prince Andrew's a nonce blah, 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 all this sort of stuff you wouldn't would you you'd think no. oh, I can like deal with this do you know what I mean and then two other questions one what happened to the guy that shot him oh yeah okay yeah so Jack Ruby um, he went to prison obviously for mm-hmm. shooting him and uh, his excuse by the way his like motive what he said for the reason why he did it was that um, he didn't want to put Jackie Kennedy through a trial which is like <laughs> It's crazy, isn't it? But um, he then was awarded a, a retrial for his murder of thingy and um, for, of Lee Harvey Oswald. And he said to the FBI and stuff, I want to talk, I want to tell you the real story. And he died suddenly of cancer in uh, prison. It can happen, that. <laughs> Just um, so again, the, the theory is that he was also like killed off himself, the same as David Ferry. I I think probably Lee Harvey Oswald was probably supposed to die on the day. Do you reckon? Yeah. I think that would maybe would have been the real plan. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be somebody who says Lee Harvey Oswald wasn't there, he was just a complete fake person. I think it's it's possible that he did it. He did shoot him. Mm-hmm. But I very, very strongly believe that it was a CIA conspiracy to take him out. Mm-hmm. Because in the so like I say, LBJ becomes a president two hours later. And in the months and weeks... That wink is massive as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the months and years that followed, um, the US go drastically into the Vietnam War, 10 times more than they were before. And then it makes you think, 
how many Operation Northwoods style things were there mm-hmm. that actually did happen. But because that was only actually declassified as part of the investigation into JFK's assassination, mm-hmm. as part of a as part of a reason to justify why the CIA would kill him off. So, like, let's just say that hadn't happened. How many of those things exist that aren't talked mm-hmm. about or that were signed off by the president? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and suddenly in LBJ they had somebody who was on their team, if you like. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, I would say, I think he, I think Lee Harvey Oswald might have been there, might have done it. I think there was more than one shooter, um, mm-hmm. two, possibly even more than that. Um, and very, very likely that it was organised by the CIA. So, number, I've gone for nine. Yeah, I'll settle on the nine as Beca- well. Because I, I don't think anything's a ten. So, nine is essentially ten, but I'm not going to say ten. Yeah. Because there's obviously always things around it. But um, I very, very strongly believe that he was killed to off. To me, it's the, like the disappearance of evidence and stuff that's yeah and killing people off who know about it and all that stuff do you mean like Mm. but yeah so anyone's interested uh the sapruder film that's z-a-p-r-u-d-e-r um that's the official film of his like death there's a film called jfk um it won oscars it came out in 1992 and that's by oliver stone and that film plays out the version of events that i'm talking about here like it's mm-hmm. basically the truth, if you like, about and and that film led to a lot of the investigations and and the bringing out of things like Operation Northwoods and stuff. Um, Oliver Stone was also a guest on the Joe Rogan podcast. If you want to like, listen to that as well, and uh, one last thing, October twenty twenty one is the deadline for the declassification of the rest of the stuff for JFK. It's something that Trump promised basically when he came in. So we're bringing everything out. Um, there's, I did like American civil rights as an A-level and they reckon there's a roughly is 50 years is the amount of time between when the thing happened and when the truth comes out. Mm-hmm. That's when the, that's long enough that they think is about the right amount of time. So I think that we're coming up to a time now where this, in my opinion, this isn't a conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. This is just the truth. Do you know what I mean? This is yeah. just the real version of events. And I think there's a lot of people in America who are seeing that now. I can see in the next 10 years, maybe, that the official story will, will change to actually what did happen on the day. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. Lee Harvey Oswald will either be, you know, posthumously acquitted or it will prove that it wasn't all him. Or, you know, they're never gonna, probably never going to come out and tell, tell it was the CIA because they're still around now, aren't they? Mm. So, um, but yeah, so that's a nine. Let us know what you think. Mm. Okay, so conspiracy theory number four um, is a theory called Paul is Dead and it's uh, surrounding the death and subsequent replacement of the Beatle Paul McCartney. Um, It's the most famous music-based conspiracy theory. Um, Especially followed by Avril Lavigne. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, And even if you're not into conspiracy theories, there's just so many layers to this that make it really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, So the the theory, obviously the, it's hard to say what the the normal rhetoric of this is. The the normal story is that Paul McCartney's alive and fine. Never died. and he's Never died. It's still, it's been the same Paul McCartney all the way through. He's still raking it in. I think he's the wealthiest musician of all time. Yeah. That's mainly because he's married to a billionaire as well, isn't he? Yeah, that helps. Yeah. Um, And that everything's fine. The conspiracy theory um, is that on the 9th of November, 1966, uh, Paul McCartney was um, involved in a car accident. And to 
A, um, avoid um, any disruption to like the absolute powerhouse that was the Beatles at that time. Mm-hmm. And to avoid like public absolute meltdown, by the way. Yeah, because yeah. society went into like a mini depression when John Lennon was assassinated. Which might be a, another one for another time. Mm-hmm. That was like after the, the major height of the Beatles. Yeah, yeah. And that was devastating. Just imagine if this had have happened in their prime. In the sixties, mm. mid sixties. Like it would have been horrendous. Yeah, it would yeah. So apparently to avoid that, the Beatles and the the management team um were part of a plot to basically just replace Paul. <laughs> um so um they replaced him um with a guy who um became uh, sorry, they replaced him with a guy who won a Paul McCartney lookalike competition <laughs> really? in Liverpool, yeah. Um, and his name was Billy Shears. Okay. Okay. Um, which is relevant uh, later on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this theory didn't really exist um, until um, there's a show um, hosted by Russ Gibb in America. The show's called WKNR. I don't know okay. if that stands for anything or whatever. Sorry if people mm-hmm. know when we've killed that but an anonymous caller rang in the show and told them to play um number nine by the beatles which is from the white album backwards okay okay so they did (laughs) before that before that like in the 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 late 60s it was like a college campus rumor in america with no real substance it was just like a you know like um there was a lad in an exam in England who put a pencil up his nose and slammed his head on the desk. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's not actually like a... There's no substance to it. Yeah, it's just yeah. like it's a an urban myth. Spreads. Like yeah. an urban legend sort of thing. Yeah, so then this non- anonymous call has um, done that. Um, Revolution 9, the song is. Mm-hmm. So it goes number nine, number nine. Although if you've heard yeah. it, it's awful. If you play it backwards, we'll put the clip in here, you can vaguely hear... John Lennon saying, Turn me on, dead man. Turn me on, dead man. It's very, very. Is he saying that? It's just like, like. Turn me on, dead man. Turn me on, dead man. It's like. Yeah. And then this spreads like an infectious kind of clue hunting thing okay, amongst yeah. the Beatles community. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to run through a few of these now for you. What is important to note is that. The Beatles got wind of it, and there are rumours that they played along oh, with it. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. So the rumour is that, to begin with, because um, Paul McCartney says in an interview from the 90s that people would shout him in the street and ask him to ask him for photos just to prove that, like, it was real and he, he wasn't dead. And, like, he, basically the, the main thing people were saying when they were meeting him in the street was, oh, my God, is it really you? Are you not dead? Like can I touch your face and blah, blah, blah. Really? People like, literally thought it was like a, they were putting makeup and prosthetics on this Billy Shears to make him look a bit more like Paul. Shout out Billy Shears. <laughs> yeah, <man>. shout <laughs> yeah. Um, So yeah, let's let's discuss a few things. There's going to be some photos here because okay, a lot yeah. of it is photo dependent. Um, first of all, you've got the Abbey Road album cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so this is, um, this has been um, dug up by the, conspiracy theorists that say this is meant to be like a funeral procession mm-hmm. okay so if you look you've got um john lennon all in white which would be like a, a preacher mm-hmm. of a church yeah 
Um, you've then got Ringo behind him in second place. He's all in black, which would represent The Undertaker. Mm-hmm. You've then got Paul McCartney, who would be the corpse. So he's got no shoes or socks on. Um, and then you've got the grave digger, which would be George in the back. So he's in full blue denim, like ripped denim. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, the the other three Beatles are, are kind of standing in step in one way, and Paul McCartney's out of step with the other three. Um, and the number plate of the car in the distance, there's only one number plate visible in the whole album, and it's like it was something like um 29 if or something we might need to edit that oh, okay. um but it's basically um, the age if he was the alive. age that yeah how old he would have been if he was alive when that album was released is this uh, they, did they make this album cover after having picked up on the fact that people thought he was dead yeah do you think it was i think they've done it on purpose oh, okay yeah but not all of them choose not to comment on it i oh, think they want to okay. keep like a bit of the mystery around yeah it, yeah yeah because in the, in the early days, Paul McCartney used to get really peed off about it. He says this in interviews, like mm-hmm. it used to annoy him. But then, like it actually got him a lot of publicity and stuff. Oh, okay, Didn't John Lennon it was that big. John Lennon loved it. Like he used to wind Paul up about it yeah, all the time. Yeah. Um, so another part of the theory is at the end of Strawberry Fields um, by the Beatles. Um, are, um, there's a like a distorted sound of Paul of John Lennon shouting, "I buried Paul." <laughs> Um, but then it's since said that John Lennon was asked about it in an interview and he said, no, I said cranberry sauce. Like, and laughed about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And the Beatles press officer claimed he was saying, I'm very bored. Um, so it was all just like a, a mush, but the conspiracy theorists loved it. Um, I'm very bored. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but like I said, John Lennon loved to play up to it, basically. Yeah, sounds like it. Um, we've also got the Sergeant Pepper album cover um so if, as it's meant to represent a bit of like a, a funeral scene like a grave scene is that the one with all the celebrities yeah it? yeah yeah so that in flowers there's a left-handed bass which is obviously famous paul mccartney mm-hmm. um the beatles in the crowd there's an open palm above paul mccartney's hand that's meant to represent kind of like a um you know like a a vicar or a whatever, a okay. minister of a church, kind of. Yeah, yeah, religious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you all, if you look as well, we'll zoom in maybe on this. It seems to be the other three guys are real figures, uh, as in the real Beatles, and that the Paul McCartney one's a bit like two D and cardboardy, <laughs> as if they're like, <laughs> and they're kind of like holding him. Oh, you know are they just taking the piss? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, if you, um. Also, next to the doll on the very right-hand side of the album cover, there's like a bloody glove, which the story, the narrative from the fan fiction of Paul's dying in the accident was that he was wearing that glove at the time. Oh, okay. Um, and if you hold a mirror along the bass drum of the Sergeant Pepper's drum, um, <laughs> this is the most far-fetched thing, but it's funny, we've got to put it up there. It almost looks like a sequence of like Roman numerals and letters. That spells out eleven slash nine. He die, which is the date the eleventh. That's uh, bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that reads out the date of yeah. what when they reckon he died in this accident. Accident ninth of November. Um, I if if they've purposely done all of that, I I think that, I think there's a mixture of the Beatles playing up to it, and um, fans just 
pulling at anything. Yeah, looking I mean, for things that aren't there. Digging at absolutely yeah. anything, yeah. Um, there's no way... To find someone who looks exactly like Paul is really difficult. To find someone who's got the talent, songwriting ability and everything else of Paul... Yeah, because... ...is impossible. I don't know that much about the Beatles, so let's assume that is the case. And they did die in 66. Mm-hmm. How much of their most successful era and, and everything they did song-wise and stuff came after that point. Still quite a bit of it, I assume. Yeah, yeah. They would have had to have written X number of songs that are now deemed to be classic when it wasn't actually him. Yeah, someone said that on yeah, the yeah. debunk stuff was saying, like, so, so basically Billy Shears wrote like all of the <laughs> Eagles stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was like Let It Be. The Eagles, who... in the wings, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's classic you, that, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, I got to have at least one <laughs> yeah, right yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to say, because he did, he, well, after the Beatles, he's done loads of songs, hasn't he? Yeah. Even uh, four or five seconds with Kanye West and Rihanna, that was Billy Shears. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, the name Billy Shears is uh, brought up in a few of the more psychedelic songs as well, okay. that John used to throw in there. Obviously, they were all on a lot of drugs at that time, so I think he was just... Uh, yeah, I wasn't aware of them being aware of it. Yeah, so just to show you how aware of it, um, Paul McCartney, so, so the... The theory is called Paul is Dead. Mm-hmm. Paul McCartney's solo 2009 tour was called Paul is Live. Oh, okay. For that reason. Do you yeah, know what I mean? It's yeah, like yeah. a play on words yeah, of that. Yeah. Um, and he, again, now laughs it all off and says it was all a bit funny. But there were times where it got a bit serious and it started to pee him off. Yeah, I bet, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, zero to ten, zero. It, it's, yeah. It's not happening. However, I'd strongly recommend, especially if you're a Beatles fan, read into it because there's loads of cool Funny stuff. stuff yeah. yeah. Is it a one though, rather than a zero? No. Is it not possible at all? No. Know? Not even not even actually possible then, because zero is like it's not actually possible in any way. I think it's not possible in any okay, way. Okay. Because no. yeah. just how talented he is and how he looks and everything, and it just it, it's impossible to completely just replace, replace him, him and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Almost like you'd think, let's say that did happen. It might have been better for them commercially just to accept he died. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and go off the back of that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, that'd be probably bigger for them than bringing in Billy, what's his face? <laughs> Billy Shears. Yeah, and, and trying to get him to play, like, Hey Jude or whatever. It's yeah. Happened, is it? Do you know no. what I mean? Yeah. But interesting theory. Are we agreeing on zero? Yeah, zero, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, check it. Okay, conspiracy theory number five then. Um, it's a big one. 9 11 was an inside job. Mm-hmm. Right. So. <laughs> This is <laughs> correct. Ten. Next. <laughs> this is a big one, I think, and it's like you're saying earlier about the moon landings. I would put this on the same level as that in terms of like importance. It's not. It's not an exaggeration to say that the 11th of September 2001 is like a life-changing moment for anybody who was alive at the time. Like mm-hmm. it changed the people's lives in general, but also the direction of the world really for the decades that followed. There's things happening now in the world that can be derived from this day. Like this is a huge event in world history, in my yeah. opinion. Which is why it's such a like a big thing for conspiracies as well. So we'll run through the official story then. So it's a Tuesday morning, eleventh of September two thousand and one, normal average Tuesday. And there is four coordinated terror attacks um on the east coast of America, orchestrated by Al Qaeda. Four planes are hijacked Three of them are flown into U.S. landmarks, and one is crash-landed in a field in Pennsylvania. 2,996 people die, so just four short of 3,000, including 19 hijackers, 343 firemen, and 72 policemen. 
25,000 injuries and significant health issues since. Um, I want to just quickly mention on there. So the health issues since, um, so the first responders on the day have had, there's so many of them who've died of like lung cancer and stuff like that from, from like the asbestos and stuff in the building when they got there. And uh, also Donna Summer, who's famous for the song of Hot Stuff. Um, she had a, she had a, a flat basically near 11 near a ground zero and she um she died of lung cancer and she blamed 911 for for that as well really? so yeah it wasn't just first yeah that one yeah yeah she died of that as well but um yeah. uh, 10 billion dollars worth of damage as well caused um so it's a bit a big big event like i say so th- let's look at the timeline of the morning then so 8 46 a.m American Airlines Flight 11 flies into the North Tower of the World Trade Center. Mm-hmm. 9.03 a.m., United Airlines 175 flies into the South Tower of the World Trade Center. 9.37 a.m., American Airlines 77 flies into the Pentagon Building. 9.59 a.m., the South Tower, the one that was hit second, falls. Mm-hmm. 10.03 a.m., four minutes later, United Airlines 93 crash lands in a field in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. 10.28 a.m., the North Tower of the World Trade Center falls. And 5.21 p.m. in the afternoon, 7 World Trade Center, or Building 7, falls due to fire. An office furnishings fire, apparently. Um, the, after this then, so the USA declare a war on terror and invade Afghanistan in October 2001. And it was also used... Partially used to justify the invasion of Iraq in 2003, to dispose basically of Saddam Hussein, and uh, for his support of terrorism, and of course the fabled uh, weapons of mass destruction, which didn't exist. Mm -hmm. So the theory then is that 9/11 was orchestrated by the U.S. government to justify wars in the Middle East, Mm -hmm. or they had prior knowledge of it and allowed the attacks to take place for the same reasons. So that's, I think that's like a huge thing to claim, isn't it? Like the, especially when you look at 3,000 deaths, 25,000 injuries, like it's massive to suggest that that was done on purpose or allowed to take place. So the first thing is, why would that be the case? Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a chain of events that starts in 1979 that is sort of a, a reason, I suppose, that I could give that, as to why this would happen. So it starts in 1979 with Issa Harrell, who I mentioned earlier. The head of the, of the Mossad, the guy who took down Adolf Eichmann in South America. Mm-hmm. He manages to find his way into this story as well. So he's talking to an American journalist in uh, September, I think it was, 1979. And uh, he tells this American journalist, Michael Evans, that the USA had grown a tolerance to terrorism. And um, he predicted that Arab terrorists would attack the tallest building in New York City as it represented a phallic symbol. So apparently in um, Islamic-like culture and for the terrorists and stuff, phallic symbols is like what they'll go for, basically. And mm-hmm. the phallic symbol of America is New York because that's everything that they would say is wrong with um, Western culture. Mm-hmm. And then the phallic symbol of New York is the tallest building, basically. Yeah. So that was a sort of an early prediction of what was going to go down. And then, um, have you heard of Benjamin Netanyahu? Yeah. Yeah, so... Although he does sound like someone off the bridge. <laughs> yeah, he does, yeah. So um, he was eventually, down the line, Prime Minister of Israel. Um, but in 1979 and in 1984, 
he hosted two conferences of an institute that he'd set up, which was called the Yonatan Netanyahu Anti-Terrorism Institute, named after his brother, Yonatan. And, uh, and it was named after him because he was killed in a terrorist attack. So basically there was, an, there was a terrorist attack in, um, I think it was in an airport in Uganda or something. And like the Mossad or the special forces, sorry, Israeli special forces had gone in and done the job, like a SEAL team sort of thing. And this, he, Benjamin Netanyahu's brother died in that thing. And he was there as well. Benjamin Netanyahu was there as well. And uh, so he made this anti-terror institute named after his brother. And um, they, so he's made these two conferences, um, in, one in 1979, one in 1984. And they were attended by senior officials from around the world, including uh, George Bush Sr. and loads of other people from American politics. And uh, they were called for what was called a war on terror and for the removal of Saddam Hussein in Iraq, who at that point was already the president of Iraq at that point. So fast forward then to 1996, um, a guy called Richard Pearl, who's going to come up a bit in this story as well, he is writing a report called A Clean Break for Benjamin Netanyahu, who is now the PM of Israel. And in that report, they call for forced regime change in Iraq, Syria, Iran, all these countries in the Middle East, basically. 1997, this is the big moment, something called the Project for the New American Century is founded, or PNAC, as they call it, and had some very significant, let's say, notable members who were part of this group. So you've got Richard Pearl, the same guy who wrote that report for Netanyahu, Dick Cheney, who would become the vice president de facto president, really, because Bush was in charge and we all know what Bush was, mm -hmm. at the time of 9-11. Donald Rumsfeld, who was the defence secretary at the time of 9-11. Paul Wolfowitz, who was the deputy defence secretary at the time of 9-11, and people say he was the real power, like in the Pentagon. Of the 25 members of PNAC, 10 of them were in the Bush administration at the time of 9-11, right? And this PNAC... They were calling for the same thing that they were calling for in the clean break, basically. So in 1998, they wrote a letter to Clinton, who was the president at the time, and asked for him to invade Iraq and get rid of Saddam, essentially. In 2000, they produced a report, and it was similar to the clean break in 1996, and it called for the US to fight and win wars to force regime change in a number of countries. So it had Iraq, Libya, Syria, all listed on there. And this is the most important quote of the day. But it said, change will be slow, absent some catalyzing and catastrophic event like a new Pearl Harbor. Right? Mm -hmm. Those of you who don't know Pearl Harbor, what Pearl Harbor is, um, in 7th of December 1941, US wasn't in, uh, in World War II at that point. It wasn't involved. Um, FDR, who was the president of America at the time, he'd recently won an election on the back of saying... I'm not sending my boys into, into that war in Europe. Mm -hmm. um, but then the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, which was a, a naval base in Hawaii, and then America entered the World War because they had Pearl Harbor as an excuse to get the nation's support behind them going into the war in Europe. They knew they were going in anyway. So there's a, queer, there's a question, which I'll get back to in a minute, of whether or not they knew Pearl Harbor was going to happen before it did. Mm -hmm. So... This is a really key quote. Change will be slow, absent some catalyzing a catastrophic event like a new Pearl Harbor, right? January 2001, 
Bush becomes president of America. All these people, Cheney, Rumsfeld, Wolfowitz, all these people are now in the White House or in the Pentagon. Nine months later, 9-11 happens, and Bush calls it the Pearl Harbor of the 21st century on TV. Mm-hmm. So there's your, <laughs> there's your chain of events as to why, basically. Mm-hmm. So we'll go now into the actual events of the day and queries over some of the things involved, do you know what I mean? Like hijackers, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I split this into a few different areas. Um, I had to stop myself like going too deep into this because there's so much to it. Like, I'll say this as a one blanket statement. The official narrative of 9-11 is complete bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, the 9-11 commission, the actual official report is bollocks. Whether or not you believe it was a conspiracy or not, that's up to you, but the actual official narrative is shit, right? Mm-hmm. So first I've gone for, group these together, um, the planes, hijackings, and response, okay? Mm-hmm. So some of the supposed hijackers, so apparently there was 19 Arab hijackers across the four planes. Some of them lived in America already and had done for a few years, and they trained at um, flight schools in America, some of them down in uh, Florida somewhere, I think. And um, there was there's quite a bit of evidence that they weren't particularly very good let's say, at flying the planes. So uh, when I get onto the Pentagon in a minute, I'll talk about a guy called Hani Hanjor, who was the supposed pilot of the plane that apparently flew into the Pentagon. Um, six weeks before 9-11, he'd been turned down for... He was basically trying to um, rent a, a one-engine little plane mm-hmm. just to try and fly around in. And he got turned down because he wasn't good enough to fly it. Mm-hmm. But apparently he flew a 757 into the Pentagon. Yeah. Um, so some of these people were over here training to be pilots. Mm-hmm. Other, um, others in the hijackers, they came over just prior to the attacks, just to be like the muscle. So they were the ones yeah. who were keeping the you know, crowd control, I suppose, um, on the planes. Um, so they used utility knives, which at the time weren't banned in America. This is another thing about 9-11, whether or not you believe it was conspiracy or not. It's changed air travel forever, really. Yeah. Um, because there was certainly a lot that you could do at that time, what things you could take on the plane, etc., that mm. you just can't do now. If, if you've got one thing to blame for having to turn up at the airport three hours before you fly, it's probably this. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's so much mm. that you can't do now, basically, you could then. So apparently they used utility knives, which weren't banned at the time. And there's also reports that the hijackers had bombs, um, which I think is mainly based on um, the phone calls from United 93, which is the one that crash-landed. Mm-hmm. Um but there was no proof of any bombs or explosives at the crash site. So they reckon that if they did have bombs, they were just like fake, which happens a lot in terrorist attacks. The actual, if you think about the Westminster Bridge one, um, the, the guy, you know, the guy with the big narwhal tusk took that guy out. Mm-hmm. He wasn't, he had a bomb vest on, but it wasn't real, was it? It was like a fake one. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's fine. Um, there's a big question about whether the planes that left the airports are the planes that hit the buildings. Um, so the, the first thing to do in a, sort of aviation accident in some way is just prove that the plane is the plane that you think it is. Mm-hmm. And apparently that's a really easy thing to do because not only have you got like the black boxes black and box, stuff, yeah. but also like each part of a plane has got a serial number on it. And some of those parts are what's called a time change part. So regardless of, of how long this plane's you know been going or whatever, this part, whatever it is, 
has to be changed every six months on every plane just by like aviation law or whatever. Mm-hmm. And every time you make that change, each of those parts has got a unique serial code. So you can just find anything on a plane. Yeah. Get the code off it and go to like the database and you you know for a fact definitely it was the right plane. Mm-hmm. That wasn't done at 9-11 on any of the planes. Someone did a freedom of information request to the FBI asking for that proof that the planes were there. <laughs> and the response they got was... Um, that was never done because there was no doubt the planes were the planes. Because <laughs> there is there is an element to this theory that says those that they weren't actually the planes; they were like drones. Yeah. Um, similar to the Operation Northwoods thing I was talking mm-hmm. about earlier. Um, one big thing with the planes and the response is: um, Have you heard about the war games that were going on? So you know what war games are. So basically, like somewhere like America or UK have them as well all the time. Obviously, we've got all our like fighter jets and stuff that are designed to you know, fly up and attack things that come from Russia and all that sort of thing. But how likely is it that those things ever actually happen? It's like very rare, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But to make sure that those things are ready to do those things, they, they do war games all the time. And they do the same with the police as well. So you pay a load of actors to pretend to blow up some building or whatever. And you'd like, you act it out as if it's real in real life. Mm-hmm. And in, in America, they do that all the time. On that day, this is like fact mm-hmm. on that day there was an unprecedented level of war games going on in the skies above america and i i believe that was part of to build to build the confusion that was going on basically because mm-hmm. the, the response can be probably explained in two ways it's either complete and utter incompetence or carefully crafted confusion mm-hmm. and it's one of those two things do you know what i mean and it, I, I find it more difficult to think that they would cock it up so drastically. Do you know what I mean? That's sort of yeah. thing probably more likely to be the second one. But yeah, the, the war games that were going on were, um, <laughs> ironically, um, hijacking of planes. Yeah. And there was a big war game about um, if a plane had been hijacked and it was going to be flown into the um, National Reconnaissance Building, which is somewhere down on the East Coast as well. So as well as your normal planes at that time in the morning on a Tuesday on a normal Tuesday you've also got your real 9-11 being hijacked planes going all over the place mm-hmm. and then you've got what they call sim which is simulation mm-hmm. planes that don't actually exist that are in the air mm-hmm. so you've got simulation hijackings going on at the same time as real ones and there's official reports of people like screaming like get that fucking sim off my screen all this sort of stuff and it wasn't it was flying into the World Trade Center yeah, and all this sort of stuff yeah so that was like going on as well in the, in the, in the skies. Um, NORAD, which is like the air defense um, organization, it's their job basically to shoot down anything that's going in the wrong area. They had a pretty much a complete stand down. Um, so like there's um, outside of Washington DC, for example, there's actually a no fly zone in Washington DC. You're not allowed to, unless you're Air Force One flying into um, the airbase which is about 10 miles away from like um, the White House and stuff. You can't fly over Washington DC, you just can't. So anything that goes anywhere near in there, if you don't respond back with a passcode or something instantly, they're just going to take you out. Like the Pentagon as well, which we'll get to in a minute, is like the headquarters of the defense, like the Secretary of Defense for the United States. It's got to be probably what, top 10 most protected buildings on the planet? Mm-hmm. The Pentagon's got ground to air missiles like outside the building like this is 
very very heavily protected place like mm. they're going to take you out before you get there do you know what I mean in these places and it, that didn't happen and like the NORAD response for somebody flying in to Washington DC towards the Pentagon would be that you'd scramble jets from the Air Force base which is that one I'm talking about where Air Force One comes in mm -hmm. um, but the jets were actually scrambled from one that was 130 miles away and they weren't told exactly what they were going for so they instantly assumed that there had been a threat from Europe flew out no from uh, Russia sorry flew out that way and they were just going the wrong way <laughs> so, like, there was well, that's absolutely shit show yeah it? there was every, that's what I'm saying it's either a complete shit show or it's not mm -hmm. I don't, do you know what I mean um, so just on that thing with NORAD there was a golfer called Payne Stewart people probably know who he is some of the older people he won like majors and stuff he was quite a big golfer and uh, in 1999 he was on a private jet and uh, something went wrong when they were in the sky and uh, the cabin pressure dropped out and everybody on the plane just like died, well not died, but went unconscious on the plane, including the pilot and everything. Mm -hmm. So you've got like this f private jet just flying with everybody like unconscious on board. Mm -hmm. And then the second that you don't respond to, you know, the traffic controllers and stuff, they dial it straight into NORAD and instantly they've got two fighter jets up there. Because what they're trying to do is they're, well, firstly, they're going to try and contact you on mm -hmm. the plane. If there's nothing there, then they're thinking, right, this is either a hijacking or if it's not, and obviously something like this has happened, what happened with Payne Stewart, they just want to stay with you until your engine, until your um, petrol runs out, your fuel runs out, and then make sure that you land in a field and not on someone's house. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you're going towards a built-up area, a major city or whatever, they'll just, they'll shoot you down. That's just the way it works. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, it's killing people, but it's rather, I'd rather kill five people than a thousand. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so that happened with him. He actually died in a plane crash in the middle of a field somewhere because the jets went up and made sure he didn't go anywhere else. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So that's what, two years earlier, that happened to a private jet with five people on it. But it didn't happen to four airlines, yeah. <laughs> airline planes. Do you know what I mean? Um, there's also a bit of confusion about the phone calls. I'll just quickly mention this one. Um, you know, the phone calls from the, from the passengers to their families and stuff. Yeah. I'm not sure where I sit on this one, really, but the suggestion is that part of that war game around the whole National Reconnaissance Building was that they had paid actors, and this is a fact, they paid actors to be part of that game, mm -hmm. and their role was to ring phone numbers and read from a script. And there's a suggestion by some conspiracy theorists that some of those calls from the planes were actually calls made by actors the training ones yeah um reading from a script because there is some people who said when they received the calls from the planes that oh the person was sort of uncharacteristically calm like it seemed weird how calm he was or one woman said it sounded like he was calling me from the office there was no interference in the calls there's a few calls from flight 93 which we, again we'll get to in a minute that um the calls were actually ongoing when the plane had officially crashed which seems strange, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll go into the Twin Towers now then. So obviously Twin Towers, one was hit by American Airlines 11 and the other one was hit by United Airlines 175. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's pretty well known now that the Twin Towers were like a bit of a white elephant, really. Like they're full of asbestos. Like they were going to have to probably be taken down in some way or destroyed anyway at some point. That's what people say. So that's why it was like probably chosen for this. Um, the lease for the Twin Towers was renewed in July 2001 and, and bought by a guy called uh, Larry Silverstein. 
um, <laughs> he says that every single day he uh, would go to something called, it was like the window in the sky or something it was called. It's basically at the top floor of the World Trade Center. And he would have his breakfast there with like clients or something or some like senior managers. That was his mm-hmm. daily routine. But uh, he wasn't there on the day. Nine eleven. I've convenient. Yeah, <laughs> it was he, got, he got a breakfast that day. Yeah, and uh, he only he only got four point five five billion pound payout from his insurance firm as well for the for the twin tower. Sure. Um, <laughs> um, so the big thing about the twin towers then is how did they collapse so quickly? Because yes, an airline plane has flown into the both, but the design of a building steel structure building high rise that shouldn't happen it shouldn't fall that quickly from uh, from that happening the nature that it falls as well yeah well, yeah Sorry. so that's the thing i'll get on to in a minute so okay. the classic like meme version of a 9-11 th- conspiracy theory is jet fuel can't melt steel beams that's the classic thing into mm-hmm. and that's actually true it can't melt steel beams what it can do is it can weaken them significantly and if you if you've got a steel structure that's on fire and the beams are like weak, then that's fair enough. It, it shouldn't crash. Bearing in mind that everything above the crash site, I imagine, is like imploding, coming downwards. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So, so the, the weight, added weight of that. Yeah, yeah. Well. So, so if if everything was just on fire and so all the steel beams were just really hot, it wouldn't come down. But then the theory is that because the plane is also taking out probably maybe a quarter of those beams anyway in its actual impact, particularly the um, the impact on the South Tower. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's actually a fireball as it comes in because mm-hmm. the plane actually blows up on impact as well. So that's actually the theory as to why that one fell first. And also it, it, fell, it hit lower. So what they say is the official story is that the beam, steel beams are really like hot and therefore weakened bendy if you like I suppose is the way to think mm-hmm. about it and also some of them aren't there and then as one floor above falls into the one below it then that happens all the way down and it, and it pancakes if you like because yeah. as soon as the top you know top quarter of the world trade center falls onto that floor then you've got that and that floor all fall onto the next one and it, and it pancakes down mm-hmm. but doesn't look like that certainly not like you would think if something was to pancake it would stall slightly at least do you know what i mean like yeah but then like i said maybe i'm wrong on that but um and there is if you if you watch the collapse of the world of the world trade center on the twin towers there is sort of smoke puffs that come out of it from the sides mm-hmm. which people suggest is a controlled demolition basically yeah explosions from a controlled demolition um there's an organization called um, Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. Um, there's also Pilots for 9-11 Truth as well. Mm-hmm. Um, these part of the 9-11 Truth movement, which is a big thing in America. And uh, Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth, they strongly oppose the 9-11 Commission's um, view on it. And, and they say that they believe it was a, um, a controlled demolition, both of them, mm-hmm. um, which obviously would... Um, I mean, like just the thought of that being the case, it just seems crazy, doesn't it? Because of the fact that, like, controlled demolition, it takes like three or four weeks to put the charges in the right place to make mm. sure. Because controlled demolition, obviously, is done so that a building falls on its own footprint, basically, and not 
you know, explode one side and it falls over onto something else. It falls mm-hmm. in on itself and it implodes and it, in itself all the way down. It's exactly what it did. Um, so I think that's a huge like statement to say that it was a, it was a controlled demolition. Um, I don't know what you think about that, but it definitely falls that way. If you, yeah, you just line it up with like other controlled demolitions. There's YouTube yeah. videos out there. It, it falls in free fall speed, definitely. Um, yeah. and it's kind of like like you say, it's not like row of windows on one floor next floor crushes them that it, it you, if you could just if you just follow a line of windows for the whole way it stays intact the whole way down yeah. and it's just like lower that's lower lower, I mean. lower 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 yeah um let's look at the cleanup operation then so you've got like i say the, probably the biggest event one of the biggest events in american history like huge and let's say we're working on the assumption now the mainstream story is true mm-hmm. wouldn't the investigation of what happened in that building and how it happened and the finding of the bodies, etc., be absolute priority number one for the entire country. Like, if you're under attack from like terrorists and this has happened, you want to know exactly what's happened, don't you? And the, mm-hmm. on the whole investigation. So the invest- the cleanup operation of the twin towers was um, controlled by a guy called Michael Shirtov, who ended up being part of making the Patriot Act, which comes off the back of 9/11 and very much like a Bush insider very much involved with the sort of people i was talking about at the start and uh, he made the decision to move the rubble from ground zero to um a load of scrapyards in new jersey and there's a new york times article and i'll put the link for it in the, in the description where this new york times journalist explains just the absolute carnage of what was going on at these scrapyards because you've got People like explosive experts and like investigators, police, basically trying to trying to understand how the building collapsed, what happened, and stuff. At the same time, as just people use it's like junk metal, basically. Mm-hmm. So they're on a junk metal yard. You've got investigators running in, trying to grab things, trying to grab evidence out of the 9/11 rubble, and then get trying to get out of the way before the big claw comes over, grabs it, and puts them into bins to be shipped off to Japan and become someone's fridge. Mm. This is like rubble with people's bodies in it and stuff. Like this is not normal. Like thing. This is mm. a, like I said, one of the biggest events ever in world history. And this is how they dealt with it. It's because they didn't want to know, people to really know what was going on. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that it's a really interesting article. You should read it. It's like terrible, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that probably covers it on the Twin Towers. Um, right, the Pentagon. Then this is a big unit. The Pentagon. Yeah, this is the one that makes me call bullshit. Yeah. So. Pentagon was apparently hit by um, American Airlines 77. Um, again, I'll come back to it. So the pilot on of that plane was the uh, Hanny Hanjor guy who was banned from getting the uh, the one the one engine plane six weeks before mm-hmm. because he was such a bad pilot. But actually, the manoeuvre to fly into the Pentagon and the manoeuvre that the plane did in terms of the the turn that it does in the air, um, the pilots from 9/11 Truth. Some of those pilots who were in that organization actually flew those planes. So, because when I say United, United Airlines 175 or, you know, American Airlines 77, that's just like route numbers. That's like the 21 bus from Swad to Burton. Mm-hmm. The actual plane itself could be any like plane. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It could, it's not the same plane every day, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, some of these people in that 9 11 Truth organization, they actually drove those actual planes. Do you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. you know, this is, must be scary for them, and to think about it. Yeah. And some of them said they wouldn't be able to do what he did. Mm-hmm. That that was such a difficult thing to do. And some of them tried to do it in a 
uh, simulator. like in a simulator and they haven't been able to do it. Um, as I said earlier, it's the headquarters of the um, US Defense Department. It's massive. I don't know if you've seen the Pentagon building, but it's fucking huge. Well, like I say, it must be one of the most protected buildings, or it should be in theory, one of those protected buildings on the planet. There's 84 cameras in and around the area where the plane hit the building, and there's no footage of it at all. It's shocking that there's no footage. There's like a really grainy image. Yeah, with a few different stills from a camera, and it's like different frames, but there's no actual plane. You can just see like a white blur and then the thing. Because something hit the Pentagon, don't get me wrong, like something happened on that side of the Pentagon, definitely. Because there's a hole in the in the thing, but the size of the hole actually makes you think it wasn't a plane because the hole was like not plane shaped. It's so minor damage. Yeah, yeah. 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 And um, so the, the, some people suggest it was a, a missile. Some people say there was a bomb in the building. A combination of both. Was there any remains of the plane? Yeah, um, I think there was like because they found the black boxes or whatever there. But these things can be like planted and stuff. Do you mean? Or it, mm-hmm. it was, or it was the plane, but it was also a bomb or something in there, like. There's, you don't know, do you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's yeah. also a chance that all the official story is true. It's just it was allowed to happen. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's so difficult on 11 to sort of like pin it down, really. Um, so the the plane avoided the eastern side of the building. This is the manoeuvre that they did, and the eastern side of the building is where um, you Wolfowitz and uh, yeah Rumsfeld and Wolfowitz and all those guys where they where they all live and work is on the other side. So they they miss that bit. They don't <laughs> hit them. They want to hit all the most important people in the country. In fact, we'll hit the western side, which is a place called Wedge One, which was the first area to be renovated in the big Pentagon renovation that we're doing. And that area of the building had just been reinforced in the months prior to withstand something very similar to what happened to it. So mm-hmm. like bombs and stuff. So actually it wasn't particularly badly damaged. Nowhere near like what the Twin Towers and stuff mm-hmm. were. Um, also a big thing about 9-11, which not a lot of people know, is that on the 10th of September 2001, um, Donald Rumsfeld did a press conference on TV saying that um, the US Defense Department had lost or couldn't account for, I think is what he was saying, $2.3 trillion. trillion. According to some estimates, we cannot track $2.3 trillion. That's, that would probably be quite big news unless something came along maybe the next day and just completely took it out of the <laughs> yeah. equation. Do you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, there's, there's a suggestion that some of the area where they were doing the accounting work to try and chase that $2.3 trillion was in the part of the Pentagon that got hit. Um, and that was that's never that 2.3 trillion things never been gone back to or anything like really? it was just done and written off yeah um, and for more on the Pentagon anything else on that okay United 93 mm-hmm. um, there's also there's a film called United 93 I think isn't there there's so. a film about this um, so this is the fourth plane oh yeah and so this is so two hit the World Trade Center one hit the Pentagon and then this one was supposedly on its way to DC with maybe hitting the Capitol building or the White House, potentially, were options of where it was going to go. And um, it's, this is the whole let's roll thing, have you heard this? So there's a guy called Todd Beamer, who is one of the passengers and obviously sadly lost his life on that day. But he's the guy, and he's in the film and stuff, who they reckon that he like got some other people on the plane, some, like a group of guys, to like, fight off the hijackers yeah. and stop something that was happening and he says something like on the recordings you can hear him say something like you guys ready let's roll so that's like he's like the famous let's roll guy um 
I think with this one, the, the flight had taken off a little bit late. So through cell phone um, messages and calls on the air phones, which they had in those days, I wasn't aware of this until I did the research, but used to have phones actually in the back of the seats of the plane. They were run by a company called Verizon or something, mm-hmm. and you could call down to the floor. And uh, apparently through cell phone calls and through those calls, because the flight had been delayed, the other things had happened already. And so they knew that this, the hijackers weren't taking them to an airport or they weren't holding them for ransom. They were going to fly them into something, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So these passengers apparently fought off the hijackers and then the plane was um, crash-landed, basically, into a field in, in Pennsylvania. Um, there's some question over whether or not it was shot down rather than... Um, because the hijacking wasn't going to plan. No, or I'd say, or this was happening, and finally NORAD had pulled the finger out of their arse, and they thought, is this, I'm not going to let it go into the White House or whatever. I mean, there's, yeah. there's a question over that. I think there was some people saying that the debris had scattered quite wide, which would suggest that it had been shot in the air rather than hit the ground. Mm-hmm. But then some of the debris that they found in the areas, in the eight miles away or something, was actually quite light debris, which with a reasonably strong wind might have got there anyway. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not particularly sure I, I believe in the whole theory that it was shot down. Um, maybe, the, maybe the story of them fighting back and stuff with the hijackers is true, but, you know, I don't know. Either way, I think I'd put it in there just as a thing to say, like, it must have been awful for them. Yeah, definitely. If that is true. And like I say, there is a film, I think it's called United 93, mm-hmm. about that. Right, so Building 7 then. So like I said earlier, this is probably seen by most people as being like the smoking gun, really, on, on the 9-11 conspiracy. So Building 7, or 7 World Trade Center, was a 47-story building in the World Trade Center complex that wasn't hit by a plane. It was just in the area to be hit by burning debris from uh, World Trade Center 1 and 2, or the two towers. And... Uh, 20 past five in the afternoon on this, on the day it fell due to an office furnishings fire at the time it was the first ever fire induced collapse of a, of a steel frame high-rise building mm-hmm. in the world so i mean this is it looks to be the most obvious controlled demolition i've ever seen mm-hmm. <laughs> like it just is it just looks like it doesn't it on the video yeah. um so the thing is why would they do that so um Floors 9 and 10 of um, 7 World Trade Center were Secret Service floors. The three floors above that were the Securities and Exchange Commission, which is to do with like stocks and shares and stuff. And then um, also it was the Operations Center for the New York City Emergency Management, <laughs> which is, seems like a quite a good place to get rid of if you want everything to go tits up. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, I want to talk about the whole pull it comment, if you know that is. Pull it. Larry Silverstein saying pull it. <laughs> do it <laughs> yeah literally so um he got interviewed in like years later or something about 9-11 and they asked him about building seven and he said um that the fire chief came to him and said oh we're struggling to deal with the fire in in the world trade center seven and he said to them oh there's been such a loss of life just pull it and then like five minutes later it was it came down like that's just a crazy thing to say because you don't just pull it. Firstly, controlled demolitions aren't managed by firefighters. They're managed by demolition experts. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it takes like three to four weeks to put the charges in the right place so that it falls on its own footprint. Mm-hmm. So like the idea that that was done on a whim is just not true. It can't be. Um, there's also a BBC report, and again, I'll put the photo in, 
where the BBC reporter, it's a woman, I can't remember her name, she's reporting live from New York that um, there's a third building has collapsed. Um, it's seven World Trade Centers collapsed and it stood behind her in the photo, in the video. It still stood. She stood in front of it. So what? What are the? What are the? What's the theory there? Then? That they'd gone too early on the press release. Oh right. Okay. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That footage was all like then pulled away, and the BBC. Um, there was an inquiry in the BBC three or four years after, and they denied it even exists. But it's out there and stuff on YouTube because people had video recorded. This is the it. problem through this, the whole theme of this video, and like these inquests and inquiries and blah blah blah. If you don't trust them, which I don't, yeah, yeah. fundamentally, like you can't really get to the bottom of anything. Exactly, okay? yeah. yeah. As I said, you've got the biggest terrorist attack of all time. You've got, essentially, the country is being is under attack from Al-Qaeda. It's a huge, major world event. And because of that event, a 47-story building in the middle of New York City has collapsed to the ground. So you probably think it's something that you probably mentioned, wouldn't you, in the 9-11 Commission report. Mm-hmm. It's not in there. It's not in the 9-11 Commission report. What isn't? Building 7. It's oh. not in there at all. Right? So years later, there was a, there was a, um, a case, and uh, the judge's name was Edward Lehner. I've wrote it down here. Mm-hmm. And it was a case over whether or not they should reopen the investigation into what happened on 9-11. And one of the people said, why did Building 7 fall then? And the judge said, what's Building 7? <laughs> So this just shows like the extent to which that was completely taken out of the yeah. official narrative because it doesn't fit anywhere in the narrative. They can't just they can't explain why it was no because it was. Do you think that controlled. should have come down with you know if if the north and south were controlled and the conspiracy is true? Do you think the seven should have gone down with that at the same time? Don't know. To be honest, I think that'd have been more believable, wouldn't it? Yeah, maybe, but. I think it's also it's also believable to do it as they did, set it on fire. Yeah, it would fall. It would go on fire anyway. There's like yeah. seven buildings in the complex. They all, well, I say, I say the seven buildings. The building three, four, five, or whatever. They're just like little things, you know, around the skyscrapers yeah, and stuff. Yeah. But they're just going to get destroyed by things falling on top of it, basically. Mm-hmm. So it's not for to have that like set on fire and then just pull it later in the day. Seems like. It works. Like I say, it's just what what was in those what was in the building. Why did they have to do that? Do you mean what was the was the reason for that, or mm-hmm. was it all part of the like say the Silverstein thing? He had the lease for all the, the entire complex, and that coming down as well meant that it was all gone. Do you know what I mean maybe it was something to do with Paul insurance? McCartney was in there. Right? Yeah, exactly stuff like that. Um, so the nine eleven commission then. So the official story. Um, firstly, Bush, Bush and Cheney were like completely against having an investigation. Again, this is like the biggest thing that's ever happened. Mm-hmm. Surely that would be the, the one thing you would want to do, wouldn't it? Like investigate it. Yeah. Unless they already knew what was happening, do you know what I mean? And they knew why it happened and what it was. Um, they eventually decided to have one and they put a Henry Kissinger in charge of it, which I mean, some of our older viewers, just the, his name will make you shudder. Like you're talking about the, one of the most despicable people ever. And certainly not somebody who will probably independently decide what happened on 9-11. So he actually stood down because as part of being put in charge of 9-11 commission, they asked to see his client list from his company, Kissinger Associates, mm-hmm. which would have opened the fucking, the biggest can of worms you've ever seen in your life. Like we're mm-hmm. talking about war criminals, all this sort of stuff he's involved with. So he just walked away. And then the guys who put in charge were uh, Thomas Keane and Philip Zellico, they were called. And the whole 
9-11 commission is basically an operation in like managing the official story it's like i say let's not put building seven in there because we can't say what that was mm-hmm. and everything is all pointed towards the official story which was decided before the event probably and and then the one thing that comes into that is the bin laden side so bin laden was named within an hour every single news station all around the world bbc and like nbc abc all in america just straight away bin laden al-qaeda and they they initially said they weren't involved <laughs> bin laden's initial comment was like oh we didn't have anything to do with it mm. but they didn't actually claim responsibility to 2004 because three years later that they said that they were involved mm-hmm. in any way um, and then obviously bin laden was was subsequently um found and killed in 2011 um even that's dodgy though isn't it yeah again was he even there was did he was he even a person like this, this is to me it's all different conspiracies but loads of people think bin laden is like part of the whole thing don't they like, as in an american setup character well yeah well he was well he was <laughs> like from his, his bin laden's history from back in the day was that uh, obviously russia invaded afghanistan and America and the CIA funded and provided training for the Mujahideen, what they were called, which were like the freedom fighters. One man's freedom fighters, another man's terrorist, mm-hmm. who were fighting against the Russians. And the leader of the Mujahideen, the people who the Americans worked closely with, George Bush and the Bin Laden family, George Bush Sr., sorry, and the Bin Laden family were like very, very close. Um, the leader of that was Bin Laden. So he was like funded and... Mm. Um, stuff by the CIA years and years before this and then their story then flips so then they now hate the West or whatever and they're anti-America it all happened way too quick the whole like hunting Bin Laden finding him killing him oh there's nobody we've dumped it in the sea and it's all yeah. done like within a week it was like yeah. old news wasn't it well yeah it's the same with like ISIS and they killed the leader of ISIS about six times didn't they it mm. kept changing didn't it mm. but um so I think that's probably where we'll leave it there there's so much more to it this, this is like the biggest one for that like, you could properly get into it and I think in terms of a verdict then, for me, the conspiracy theories on 9-11, you've got to go two ways. Let it happen or made it happen. Mm-hmm. Right? So let's look at let it happen first. So when I was talking about the um, project for the new American century, and they're talking about we need a new Pearl Harbor or the Pearl Harbor of the 21st century. So we spoke briefly about what Pearl Harbor was. There's a lot of evidence now has come to light in the last few years that FDR, um, Franklin Roosevelt, who was the president at the time, knew that Pearl Harbor was going to happen in 1941. They got a memo, um, I think it was three days before, saying from Japan, saying all Japan's targets, and it said something like, I'm going to hit a naval base in Hawaii or something. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a suggestion that Pearl Harbor was, Pearl Harbor was allowed to happen. Mm-hmm to justify America then joining the war. Again, military industrial complex, they're all in. I mean, they want, they want war, really. They want it to be involved. So there's a, there's a guy called Leroy Fletcher Prouty who did a lot of investigation into the JFK assassination, actually. And he was pointing the finger at people like the CIA and, and Lyndon Johnson and stuff for that. And his quote was, if you're looking for the people who are involved in a conspiracy look for the people who can remove the security level that should be there in the first place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, you're not looking for the people who are actually doing it. You're looking for the people who remove the element that would stop you from doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's definitely an element on nine 11 with 
the lack of communication between the NSA, the CIA, and the FBI, the almost completely no response from NORAD. Um, certainly, there's there's an hour or two. There's like a two-hour period where it was, at the very best, I can say, it was a complete and utter incompetent shit show. Yeah, but it seems to me more likely that that was actually made to happen. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, the, the elements that would stop this sort of thing happening were taken away with things like the war games and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but there's a bit of evidence for prior knowledge as well because of the stock markets. Mm-hmm. So there was significant levels of put options for United Airlines and American Airlines stock in the three days leading up to 9-11. So people don't know what that means. That's essentially betting against those companies. So you're betting that those companies' stocks are going to fall and that when they do so, you make a lot of money, basically. Mm-hmm. It was significant enough for it to be in the official report. But um, they wrote it off as a just a coincidence because they investigated it, as, anticipating that it would lead back to, you know, Al-Qaeda or Bin Laden or somebody. And, uh, well, the theory is that it led back to some people high up in the FBI and stuff. Oh, really? But they just never mentioned it. So it's just, it's just like, it's in the commission, but it just says, oh, it's just... Was it? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think there's, there's, there's let it happen and then there's made, made it happen, which is probably more of a stretch and a bigger like statement to make, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But then when you look at things like Operation Northwoods, which we were talking about earlier, which is a proven actual fact that the American government were going to basically murder their own people, people in order and to justify fake, a war. Fake planes thing. Yeah in order to justify a war that they wanted to go into. And well, that, that's 62, with the president that wasn't going to do it. Mm. This is, what, almost 40 years later, with a president and an inner circle that we know not only want to do it, but they've got, what, 15 years of previous trying to. But uh, do theorists think that if the planes were drones, that people weren't in them? Mm. So what about the peop- the families of the people... No, or they were all died in it. Yeah, or not some of or some of them. They were taken over and controlled. Yeah. to do. So the hijackers yeah. are just put in place as a, as we'll go back to the JFK one passes if you like. Mm-hmm. So we can say, oh, there was five people on this one, five on that one, five on that one, and four on that one. We've all got Arabic names, and they're from this place and this place. But the actual planes were taken over from like control centers, and then driven into the buildings. Yeah. Autonomously. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because the, uh, there's a four-digit code that you should dial in if a plane's been hijacked, and that wasn't done on any of the four flights. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a suggestion that the it could have even the pilot could have the original pilots could have even still been sat in the cockpit, but yeah. can't do anything about it. Do you know what I mean? God, that'd be horrible. Wouldn't it? Which would have been, yeah, like you say, awful. Um, but yeah, like I say, I think <laughs> the thing is with the conspiracy theory like I say there's a few different ways to go about it because if you start to think oh the planes were drones or none of the people were real none of the calls were real whatever I don't think any of that stuff needs to be true I think the whole official story can be true but it was just allowed to happen mm-hmm. and that's a conspiracy enough for me do you know what I mean like yeah there's because obviously we know about Bush's initial response when he's in the school with the kids reading the book mm-hmm. um, so he went into the the first plane hit the building before he went into the room, right? He's in the room reading a story to some kids. And um, 
then the guy comes into the room, whispers in his ear, something like, a second plane's hit the World Trade Center, America's under attack or something, I think, mm-hmm. is the official quote. And um, Bush said in an interview that day, and uh, this is, again, something that never gets brought up, and this was, like, taken similar to the report with the BBC. This was made sure it never came out again. Mm-hmm. Bush said... Um, when I saw that first plane fly into the first building, I thought, what a terrible pilot. All right? That's what, why is that weird? Because there wasn't any footage of the first plane going into the first building. Because mm. <laughs> no one was looking until the first one had gone in. Unless he means just seeing the No, because when he's talking fire. about it, the, 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 bit, the uh, footage of the first plane going into the building didn't come like for the news people and stuff until hours later. It was a filmed by a, a woman who was just there down at no, Ground he Zero. Could have, he could have meant like looking at the building with smoke plowing out of it. Yeah, well, no, that's not what he said. But yeah, that's what he's saying. But mm-hmm. he, he says the plane flying into the building. Mm-hmm. And then that was, like I say, just completely glossed over and never mentioned yeah. again. Um, I think I'd be tempted towards a 7 out of 10. On what though? Like I say, if we're, if we're, going, if we're just saying... Is the conspiracy theory or saying that the tr- the official story isn't true? I think, I think it's more likely that they did it than let it happen. Yeah. Because, purely because I'd, I'd really like my friend Jack Eaton, who watches us religiously, mm-hmm. to comment here on how realistic yeah, too, the yeah. plain side of it is. Because I've heard from a lot of, you know, all the documentaries and stuff I've watched that the minute, like, involved, it's not for guys who have never... You know, it's a very difficult thing to do. Yeah, you'd yeah. need a very experienced... Even the most experienced pilots probably ever would struggle to do what they did. But, you know, that might not be true. Yeah. But the, the thing that really, like, racks my brain, the thing that I'd lo- like... If I could just choose to know, say, two or three things about it, if I could just choose to know, would be the, the falling of the buildings. Mm-hmm. Because based on the logic of the fact that if you weaken it enough, then then... The, everything above it, the weight of everything above it falls down and co- co- like causes the collapse. Based on that logic, it works what happened because the South Tower fell first. Mm-hmm. Because the South Tower, not only did it explode on impact, so the heat would have been a lot worse, it also hit about 15 stories lower. So when it collapsed, it would be heavier on top. Do you know what I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't have to get as weak because it would be heavier on top and it would then fall down. Yeah. But again, that's not particularly saying it's not a conspiracy to say that it wasn't a controlled demolition. It couldn't. It could have been a completely normal collapse of the buildings. Maybe they didn't even anticipate that was going to happen. It just did. And they just you know got lucky, if you want to call it that. The entire story is true. United 93 is true. All that is true. But it happened because it was either allowed to happen or it was planned by the, by the American government. Do you know mm. what I mean? So let's go for a verdict then. If we're talking about... Either let it happen or made it happen is the conspiracy. Okay, then... I'll put eight on here. I'd be tempted towards a nine, eight or nine. Let's, let's settle on eight, yeah. but a strong eight. 